morning, good afternoon, and good evening to the listeners of today's episode of the Good Anime Palette Podcast. Uh, it is episode 31. As usual, it is one of your hosts, Will, and it's also one of the other hosts, Jason. Jason, how's my buddy doing? I mean, is there anybody else that is supposed to be here? Well, we don't know. I mean, like we've been running this podcast for about a year and three months now. There, there could be some changes. There could be some additions. We never know. Yeah. Can't predict the future, unfortunately. We cannot, especially during these unpredictable times. Yeah. But what is not not pre- not, not, not. Uh, n- not unpredictable, so it is fully predictable, is we have a full show for you with a very, very good spotlight for our main discussion topic today. Yeah. This time around, I think both of us like pulled our weight in terms of watching a ton of anime. Like you've, you've watched, have you read much manga? I mean, like, no, wait, not really. So, but it's both. It's mostly been like anime heavy for you the last two weeks. Yeah, and I brought. Uh, we can now install the mic stand, so everything is back to where it was. It's a little less janky now. Uh, uh, a lot less janky. So, sorry about that. That will. Yeah. If 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 anybody noticed any sort of like audio qualities in the last episode, let us know. I I thought it went fine, especially when we were editing it. Um, but we're we're back to a somewhat normal setup. And now that means we can go back to a somewhat normal recording session because it, we're going to be going over our usual, which is the watch, I guess, less on the read section of today's Oh, no, episode. I do have something, though. Oh, right. But um, if you hear dogs barking, uh, it's just Will's really adorable oh, yeah. uh, corgi. So just forgive him. We, we forgive him. He's a cute little boy. So if you, you hear him barking, uh, it's just because he wants your attention. So Will... What have you been watching? I've actually watched a lot, right? But given the limited time that we have with these episodes, I, I can only cover two of them. So I guess the first one I'm going to cover is, um, well, actually one of the, the shows I wanted to talk about in our previous episodes uh, for Anime Originals. Um, so basically brought it over to today's episode. Um, the, the show we're talking about here is uh, Panty and Stocking with Garter Belt. So I, I think I briefly mentioned it in the previous episode. Uh, it's an anime original produced by Gainax. It came out uh, about 12 years ago. So like in the fall of 2010, that was the season it came out. And overall, I think it's, yeah, it's 12 episodes. It's, essentially, it is like half episodes um, in terms of like each specific plot, specific story. So there'll be like, one episode, two stories. Sometimes they may have three stories. It's it, you might have seen from like maybe some like four coma comedies, um, four panel like um, uh, mangas that you know when transition into anime, it's it's kind of done like that too. You have like a couple minutes of a skit, break, a couple minutes of another skit, break, and then roll credits. Uh, it's not that different um, for the um, panning and stocking with garter belts. One thing that immediately sticks out though. Uh, with this particular series is that it looks unlike any other anime you would have seen. But it doesn't mean it's not unfamiliar because the drawing style themselves is actually very akin to stuff that you would see on Cartoon Network and Adult Swim. So stuff like um, Drawn Together, um, Invader Zim, I would say Papa De- Girls. Yep, Dexter's Laboratory. Yeah. Like that kind of aesthetic for sure. Yeah. So like the reason why is because the producers and the uh, animators at Gynex decided to go on a boys trip <laughs> and then got drunk and then just said, why don't we just create something that's completely fucked up and like people are going to hate it, but what the fuck ever because we could do whatever the fuck we want. Wait, but Will, you said it's really fucked up, but 
you know, we talked about Cartoon Network. We talked about okay, maybe not drawn together because that's a bit. Well, that's why it's, it's 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 drawn in that style. But what they decided to do was how are we going to encapsulate all of American comedy together? And poop jokes, yeah, toilet humor, over sexualized jokes. Um, the thing is, right? I'll have to be very upfront with people here. You may not sit well with this. Because of the fact that, especially if you're like an American listener or you're very used to westernized, Americanized comedy, especially when it's in cartoon form, like Family Guy, American Dad, The Simpsons, Futurama, stuff like that, you would have been pretty like accustomed to a specific style of humor. And Penny in the Stocking does not like hold back in terms of pulling. Like, they'll pull any punches. They just go straight up with the, the really risque and vulgar humor and I, I actually really enjoyed it. I thought that the animation quality it, at times can be a little bit janky, but especially when you get into the fight scenes, they look really, really top-notch. The music, on the other hand, is it's always really good. It's not like sometimes good. Like Every single bit of the Padding and Stocking with Garter Belt soundtrack is phenomenal, going from like electronica to disco to jazz funk to punk rock to like techno and house music, acid house, all the way through down to melodic, symphonic kind of operatic music. It's it's a very wide, eclectic range of of moods and 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 soundscapes. Overall, like I think that if if you're in for something that's a little bit different from your typical like Japanese style anime, well, I mean, of course, like anime is Japanese, but this one kind of like bucks the trend. I think it's worth checking out. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I gave it a nine out of ten. Uh, but I can see for quite a few people that it doesn't sit quite well with them, and rightly so. I think that a lot of, a lot of the listeners for this podcast like usually are like from the United States, in which you're kind of used to that adult cartoon humor, so stuff that's like with Adult Swim. Right, like the Venture Brothers, like drawn together, um, like uh, like Rick and Morty. It's you, you, you like that. You can see there's a lot of influence on Pride and the Stocking. Whether you like it or not is another thing. But like, it worked for me, so I'm imploring everybody to at least give it a try. So it's a, it's an anime that premiered quite a while ago in fall 2010. As I said, yep. And the storyline is um. Actually, do we know when Charlie's Angels came out? Oh, way before that. Okay, okay. So the the reason well, which, why I mentioned... Which one, though? The Lucy Liu one? With the, oh, um, no, not the old, old one, but like the, the Lucy the, Liu. Yeah, that one. That one's like early 2000s, I think. Right. And I guess they did a remake again recently. Have they? I think so. Okay. Uh, but regardless, the reason why I mentioned Charlie's Angels is because the premise of the anime is essentially Charlie's Angels, but what if... Each of the two angels in this case are just like degenerates. Well, technically, there is a third angel, which is Garter Belt. Um, oh, right, yeah. yeah. He's the the priest that uh, essentially governs them and makes sure that they actually follow on their an- angelic duties. But they... you like Samuel L. Jackson? There you go. That's actually one thing they could have done. Um, would have made it much better. Actually, here's the thing. So the dub is awesome. This is yeah, exactly. I was gonna just quickly just go over it. You can watch it in Japanese or you can watch it in English. Both are great. I actually would give the dub a slight like advantage though. And I think it's just it just blends into the the, the animation and the character design style. Right? It it feels very adult swim. So hearing it and besides like the the the, the dub uh, voice actors and actresses, 
do it really, really well. Top so notch for I, sure. I'd say yeah, like if you're if you're watching it in America and you don't have like Japanese subs, English sub uh, Japanese dubs, English subtitles, you're completely fine. If not even better, watching it in English dub. Uh, I think uh, there are very few shows that I would really push for the English dub. I think uh, Garter uh, Panty and Stalking with Garter Belt is one of them. And I think the other one, which I have been watching here and there, is Ghost Stories, which I think I'll talk about it like sometime in the future. I, I think, like again, like when it comes to like dubs, some of the old stuff dubbed is like I mean, Cowboy Bebop is a clear example where you can watch it in English or in Japanese, and like you're not losing anything from it. Wasn't the Princess Mononoke dub like phenomenal in yeah. terms of like actors who exactly. voiced all these? Stuff? It's it's different now because I think that. I don't know. I, I'm just used to watching things in Japanese with English subs anyway. And dub is not always but av- like English dub is not always available. But then growing up in Canada and like what, and then also going to school in the U.S. Like I, you're just used to naturally seeing everything in English dub because why would they have it in? I mean, I mean, Adult Swim. I think when they have their night schedule tsunami, right? They would play anime, but they wouldn't play it in Japanese dubs. It would of course be in English. So. I, I just got used to that. Like I've always watched Dragon Ball Z in English, Pokemon in English, Digimon in English, One Piece in English. That's, that's just how it was for me. So uh, to give you a rough idea of the level of crude humor in the show, uh, I will just talk briefly about parts of episode one, and I won't say really spoilers, but a bullet train is involved and someone's panties get stuck. Oh, panties a skank. Yep. Furthermore... Um, and, and stocking is a gothalita. So uh, when we first get uh, see the two, uh, what do you call them? Uh, angels. They like, they're supposed they're fallen angels. Right. Uh, she wakes up out of bed because naked the with thing a is, dude. I think because um, the 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 town itself is called Daten City, which in Daten is supposed to be like a play on words, which means fallen angel. When they basically are in New York as well, so like it's just New York City full fully ridden of crime where. Angels die, essentially. Right. So uh, sh- her character introduction is she wakes up naked with another dude, then talks about electrocution sex, essentially. So if you don't like that, then stay oh, far it's, it's, away. It's very vulgar. It, very, it, it, very it vulgar. It does not shy away from that level of toilet humor. And again, like, like I've said before as well, this will not sit with everyone well. But and, like, if if you're down for it, then you can definitely find some good enjoyment out of it. I also think that the Japanese dub, by definition, is more uh, polite. Oh, they def- and, and yeah. they don't lean into uh, the crude humor as much as the English dub because well, actually, of language. To be fair, though, actually, they don't really cuss as much in the English dub. But like, they, they're very, very straightforward when it comes to the vulgar yes. jokes. In Japanese, they still you know drop f bombs and drop s and 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 say shit and all this. Fuck, fuck, fuck. They, they say that a lot in the Japanese dub. Uh, and that's, I guess, one little bit of shame for the English dub because they don't say it as much. But, like, look, like both versions are fantastic, in my opinion. Check it out. If it doesn't sit well with you, at least you checked it out. All right. What else have you been watching, Will? Uh, you want, why don't we switch it over to see what you've been watching? Because you've, you've, you've watched quite a few things, too. Wait, you don't want to talk about... We can talk about it later. Okay, okay, okay. So why are, we, why are we changing it up? It's always been I talk one thing, you talk one thing, and then back to me, back to you. Just... So unless you're not ready to talk about what you've been no, watching, no, are you no, ashamed? It's okay. It's okay. Trying to it's hide okay, something? It's okay. It's huh? okay. So uh, you've been watching Boku no Pico. Oh, 
God. Jesus, you had to say that live. <laughs> yeah, we, we need to cut that out. I've, you need, you never, need to bleep never, that shit. I've never watched it. I've never watched oh, Actually, wait. I am not going to answer that there's question. A sto- there's a story for that. but there we'll is leave a story. That, we'll, leave a really, for, we'll leave that for a BP one It's day. actually quite a crazy story. But look, that, actually, that story might actually be a good one to talk about in one of our future episodes. Um, you know which one I'm talking about. Yeah, I do 35. know what you're talking about. Oh, God. Okay. You put me on the spot. Okay. Like I, I know that we've been watching a lot. We, we've been cleaning up a lot of uh, our seasonals because, hey, spoiler alert. The spring season's upon us now. Um, but like outside of finishing up the seasonal stuff, was there anything else you watched outside of the uh, seasonal schedule? Okay, so uh, before people misunderstand, BNP is just like just don't 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 oh, watch we're, it. We're abbreviating it. Stay stay the fuck away. Stay the fuck away. Do not watch the Pico. Just don't. Just don't. Just don't even tempt fate. Just don't. Okay. So now that I've gotten that out of the way, I will clarify what I mean when we talk about it. But. Winter has ended. Winter has come and gone, and a lot of the premieres have obviously ended, and the new spring premiere. So we will talk about just very briefly some of the wrap ups. So, uh, World of Leah Dale was one of the animes that I continued to watch until the very end. Yeah, I I started it, but I only watched like two episodes. I think I got by the second week, I was kind of done with it. But you you followed through and finished it. I think the show doesn't know what it wants to do with itself. I think the strength of the show lies in the banter between the family members, let's just say. And they don't really focus on that too much. And towards the end, they kind of try to wrap the whole season up, and I don't quite like it. But it's still... A decent time, so seven out of ten in my opinion. So I mean, we might as well just go through it now, right? I mean, like, did you watch um, Entertainment District, Demon Slayer? No. Do you watch? A, do you, you watch a single episode of it? Because you really should. Oh my god, nope. that dude! Like, if you thought that season one was good, and you thought that the movie was good, Jesus Christ! The animation, quality, like, we, we, oh no, we, I've heard, I've heard time already, and time again. We already know that Yufu Table can do animation quite well. But um, you, you really should check it out. Um, oh yeah, I know. I mean, I read a, I, I finished the manga, yeah. but I know, I, I know, like the choreography and just, it's just gonna be great. It's UFO table doing UFO table stuff. Yeah. Uh, please, Napa. Did you ever finish that? Nope. Mm, okay. Sayuki Reload Zero. Nope. Nope. Uh, Orient. Uh, nope. Okay. Basically, uh, basically, we, we already all, know we didn't watch Tokyo. All the shows that I'm gonna talk about right now are the shows that. I have finished, and the only one that I haven't, but I will, is Fantasy B Shoujo. Everything else I draw. I haven't watched the last episode of Fantasy B Shoujo either, but we did finish Slow Loop. Yes. Slow Loop uh, is basically, you. Uh, I described it as Yuru Camp it's, Light, it, yeah, it's, but with fly fishing. It's Yuru fishing, not Yuru Camp, basically. Um, it's good, solid, 7 out of 10. But the thing is with like Slow Loop compared to Yuru Camp, Yuru Camp has good B-plots. Where like you are kind of invested in like the backstories and the relationships between the other campers, whereas in Slow Loop, it's very central to like the main three girls, more often actually the main two girls, and then the friend that comes along with them. So I wasn't as invested in the other people, but you could still see there was a lot of like cute and wholesome charm to you know watching kids essentially go out and learn and embrace this hobby of fly fishing. Uh. Then comes uh, teasing Master Takagi-san season three. Yeah, so this this one you 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 watched because you finished the first two seasons. I naturally re- you 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 have to finish the third season too. It's a phenomenal and satisfying ending, and really uh, sort of builds up what the 
end movie, and I'm now more convinced than ever that the movie is going to be a finale movie. And spoiler alert, my theory is that Takagi-san will still continue, but not in its current form, let's just say. And if you really, really want to know what I mean, you can Google it, and it's not necessarily spoiler because it exists, but yeah. The and movie's, actually... movie's going to stream on Disney+, Plus, right? Uh, maybe. Maybe. But uh, what it was it? Was, it was Nef- no, Crunchyroll, then Netflix, and then High Dive. High Dive, yeah. So whoever's got the movie is going to be, you know, the oh, fourth one. Rake, raking in the big bucks. But uh, just to give a bit of a hint, uh, it was teased the direction that it's going in one of the f- episode's first skit. It's very apparent because it's very different. And uh, I was super giddy. And I think a lot of fans were as well. So it's great. Nine out of ten. Then comes the big two. My favorite two of the season, which I shouldn't have said, but it's not. It's obvious. A KB Sailor uniform and my dress-up darling. Will, you finished both finales as well, right? Yeah, I, I watched both of them. Um, a KB ended off like, as, as wholesome as you would have expected. Um, it's just been like a very chill, relaxing journey throughout. Um, it's... It, I, I expected with Cloverworks that there would be like a good level of quality anyway. We have been burned before, but you know, luckily with the KB, like it still holds that standard. Um, I, I, I just enjoyed the the journey of KB and her friends. I think the finale really brings everything together in a way that I was just like, a smile on your face. Again, nothing super out of the ordinary. And they have a really big cast as well. Whenever like they introduce like a new student, a new classmate, um, that Akebi befriends, like they do flesh that character out. They're not just there to further Akebi's storyline. It's very much like what does Akebi do to help other people grow? And I really enjoyed that. Overall, I gave it an eight. I gave uh, it an eight out of ten. I gave it an eight out of ten as well. I would, if I could give it an eight point five, I would. Uh, also, special shout outs to a certain anime that plays a certain sport. That is also in a Kebby Sailor Uniforms last episode. And that there's a sequence I thought was like... Oh, they play other sports too. Well, but The other that, sport was also like... Yeah. It's, it's good for another reason. Exactly. All right. Uh, my Dress Up Darling. I have to say, though, it catches up to the English release of the manga. So I don't know anything that lies beyond what has already been shown in the anime. Obviously, the manga in Japanese has, I think, several more volumes... Uh, it comes to no surprise that there's definitely, definitely at some point probably is going to be a season two. Uh, I thought that the ending uh, finale was pretty good. Uh, you should probably stay after the credits because it's a very long post credit scene as well. I I liked it. I, I enjoyed watching it. Um, I probably didn't look at it as much as you did. I gave it an eight. Still, it it it, it is very good. It, it's it's definitely like a good sort of like romance, somewhat comedy. I feel like the comedies are a bit more gaggy um, than what I well. I mean, like I I've I've watched plenty of gag comedy as well, so it wasn't too dissimilar to what I've seen before. Um, it 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 very much relies on one particular thing though that uh, makes it popular amongst uh, the weebs in the fandom. Um, which, of course, no judgment there, because I enjoyed it too. So um, overall, though, it's still a very good show. I, I, I think it's one of the gems of, of, of the winter season. I gave it a 9 out of 10, so one point higher than Will, but everything that he said, I pretty much have the same sentiment. So nothing new there. 
Um, I guess f- just finishing up on. Well, not actually, no. There is another one which uh, I did end up like, getting to the most recent episode, but they haven't released the, the last episode yet, which is Realist. Realist is still really good. Um, and then, of course, um, Osama ranking, a ranking of kings. Uh, technically, not a winter season uh, seasonal, but it, it, it bled over um, from the fall of the previous year. Uh, it, it's a 10 out of 10. It's it's fucking amazing. I I Y'all, stopped every, after everybody f- has to go out and and please watch it. It is just, it's that good. I I fully intend on finishing it, but I just we'll get back to you on next hold. Year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, my bad. So there yeah, you I go. Mean, hey, look, not everyone recognizes excellence, you know. Oh Jesus. Okay, yeah. I'm I'm telling you though, like once you get to the latter half when you start playing the second opening, like that's when you know like the feels are ready to hit you. Oh man. So good. And um, uh, that's it for winter twenty twenty two, other than fancy bishojo for both of us, right? Yeah, Penny Bishojo. Um I also just need to finish off Realist. Um uh, I did drop um Bisco. Um I dropped Ryman's Club. I dropped Ryman's Club like four or five weeks ago. Like it, it just didn't really sit well with me in the end. Um, but yeah, like outside of the seasonal's den, anything else you've watched? Um, I think I will leave that till next time. Okay. But I did read something, we, but we, you, we can't you talk go. about the next thing because you've watched it too. Um, uh, which is, huh. so I've been on this kind of real crazy journey of watching um a lot of CDs, CGT, which is cute girls doing cute things, or a lot of very fluffy, wholesome slice of life. Um, a lot of rom coms. Wait, Will? It's um your edge lord title. It's been a it's been a very weird journey. Um, and actually, to be fair, as we were gonna say, haven't really watched anything edgy for a while. Um, there is one particular series that it, it's edgy, but for a different reason. But we'll talk about that in the next episode. So you are having to reinstate your edge lord license is going to be a well it's bit been kind of tough right? to do yeah, that yeah, i've already watched all the edgy stuff anyway right like when you opened up suspense and thriller and action and horror it's like i've already watched like the top 50 of every single list it's it, it's kind of tough and like the, the newer stuff that comes out a lot of it has been isekai rom-coms fluffy shit sols cute girls doing cute things it's spoiler it's alert spring is a lot of that too <laughs> yeah so like i there's not much i mean there's gonna be a, a few other things that like a, we, we talked about we're really looking forward to the spring um but we, we okay, just just as a, a, a full disclaimer we're not going to be talking about spring stuff just yet uh it will be a little while before we get into it but the reason why is because the release schedule for april is a little bit weird some stuff has already come out as of like today for this recording some stuff will come out like right when the recording comes out but uh, there's also a fair amount of things that will come out only like in the middle or even at the end of april and we also want to have like several episodes to watch exactly. per show or else then like first episode impressions can be very different well shit yeah like for example like when we want we talked about ryman's club or we're talking about bisco it's like the first one or two episodes holy shit it's fucking great and then it kind of tapers off a little bit um not to say they're bad but like it definitely doesn't hold up to what we initially thought they were supposed to score so I, I agree with Jason that like we give it enough time to let it grow and like essentially once we watched enough of it that we can give a slightly more comprehensive perspective on how we really feel about the seasonals. Exactly. We want to tell you specifically how we feel about the seasonals rather than blend them all together, right, Will? Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> your segues are some of the worst. I love it. Uh, I have a migraine already. Um but um 
as Jason alluded to, and the fact that I'm starting to lose my edgy credentials, uh, I've been watching Blend S, the meme anime. If, if everyone must have seen the openings of you know the 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 Blend S sequence used in a variety of different memes. What are the S's? Do you actually remember the order? Smile, sweet, statistics, surprise, service. I forgot the last one. Wow, I actually don't know them. Yeah, but I'm not going to sing it because I don't want to get. No, 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 don't DM- do, no, yeah, don't I, do I, that. I no, no, be, no, I don't want to be DMC. Right? No, 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 no. We don't want that. So, uh, uh, Blend S is good, yeah. Blend S is interesting because look, okay, so just some, some general facts, right? Fall 2017, uh, based off of a manga, and it's produced by A1 Pictures, which okay, like. I, I think I've talked about it before. I really fucking love A1 Pictures. A lot of their stuff is really beautiful, and a lot of stuff have made me cry. Um, this is not either of them, unfortunately. Like it's it, it's definitely got a very colorful palette, and I think that the the voice cast for this uh, anime is done. It, they did a really good job. However, like as far as cute girls doing cute things, this is kind of just like like the bare minimum. Not that it's bad though. I think that in terms of the characters, they are cute. Um, there is like generally like a plot, right? There is a plot. A plot in a maid cafe. Yeah, where whether it's you know good, like it's I, I don't think it tries to be. Like it just does what it needs to do. Um, it, it just just basically like the 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 whole shtick of it is you know a girl decides to get a job at a maid cafe and she has to take on a specific trope. Uh, and her trope is to be the sadistic maid because there's a lolly maid, there is like uh, a milf maid, or essentially like the older sister, like milfy kind of more like experienced one. Then there's the cindere, which I actually really don't like at all. Uh, and then like, they add more and more to the the roster. The cindere is the silver hair one, right? The one, yeah. Oh yeah, I don't like her either. She's like, well, I mean, you, you and I. I mean, I, I like Cinderays, but that's just because like there's so many of them, and it's like they're they're a very standard trope to have in a lot of these kinds of shows. So like, as far as her Cinderay trope goes, like I thought she was one of the weakest. I didn't really care for her. Everyone else shone pretty well though. I, I quite liked like the other characters. Uh, if you want like a very nice and relaxing, chill, cute girls doing cute things in a maid cafe kind of anime, like this is. Basically, it. Like I, 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 I gave it a seven, seven out of ten. Yeah, which is good. It's good. It's not great, but it's good. I, I gave it a seven out of ten. Uh, I think the older characters, I guess, have more of an impact for me than the maids themselves, except one of them. I think they're just a little bit more funnier. Yeah, I, I think there's definitely a like a, a, a stark difference in terms of like the maturity of the characters. Not that like it's any fault of the show itself like i think that, that that's the point of the show itself so hey like you like it you don't some of the characters i vibed with some of them i didn't really but i appreciated them being there i guess it, it, it was a good it was a good time definitely worth watching all 12 episodes okay now we are going into what i have been reading which is just one thing uh and this thing is actually quite relevant not only with our news story but it also has an anime that would premiere in October 2022. It is called The Eminence in Shadow, which is based off of the light novel of the series of the same name. Um, the English translation is done by Yen Press, and also there's a manga adaptation, which is the one that I read. I think Volume 3 came out, like, last week. So, um, 
it is going to be the anime is going to be produced by Nexus, which if you like Chivalry of a Fail Knight, which I like quite a bit, uh, I gave it eight out of ten. Uh, that's that studio. They're also known for Darwin's Game, which is not that great, and Comics Girl, which I don't think either of us have watched. Right? Well, no, no, I've watched. I mean, you and I both watched Darwin's Game, and like, okay, like the first episode was cool, and then it kind of got stale. Right. Like as far as like death battles and death games go, like you you've seen the formula, like. If if the characters don't really do it for you, then like all is lost. Yeah, but I like Chivalry of Failed Night quite a bit. Um, so the my anime list score for the light novel is an eight point two nine, and for the manga is an eight point two five, and that's very very high, very very high. So I was very curious before I read the manga to figure out what it was about. Now in prep for talking about this. I made Will right before we started recording to watch the new trailer that came out several days ago um, th- announcing their uh, October 2022 uh, premiere date. Will, what do you think of the you're just you're like your 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 thoughts on that trailer? I didn't care for it, honestly. It just looked very edgelord, nothing special. Well, it's not really even edgelord. You're just basically showing a sequence of like a guy who's dressed up as like Lelouch from Code Geass, and then you have like a harem of women who are kind of like reminiscent of what you would have seen from Overlord. So there's like an alpha, beta, gamma, delta, epsilon, zeta, eta, theta, iota, mu, nu, how, however many of the Greek alphabet there is. All right. First of all, that trail, that description and your thoughts on that trailer is highly accurate. Uh, but now let me tell you a brief synopsis of the plot, which is main character gets isekai'd, and his dream, so to speak, is to be the shadow, a backdrop, a character that uh, is not in the spotlight because he wants to sort of have the behind-the-scenes kind of role. You know, he doesn't want to catch anyone's attention. So then um, he gets isekai to this world where, you know, magic exists. So again, nothing special. And then main character saves like this really gorgeous elf girl called, and then he names her Alpha in the very beginning. Again, nothing that special. Then this Alpha woman was like, oh, I need to thank you. I'm indebted to you for life. Like, how can I repay you? And main character panics and was like okay um actually i'm part of a, a you know a shadowy organization called shadow garden and uh we have to stop the cult of diablos you know that devil that you hear in fairy tales yeah, yeah, yeah. it turns out that there are people that are trying to revive them and um yeah i, I i'm i'm a one-man band part of an organization to stop this from happening so will you join me on this? During this whole time, he is bullshitting. He is making it up. And he thought like, oh, I'm, I'm just being really cool. She bought it. Thank God. Turns out uh, he's very Chernobyl, chin- ch- eighth grade syndrome. I thought you were going to say Chernobyl for a No, 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 not Chernobyl, not the Russian. Radioactive as no, fuck. No, but Chernobyl is eighth grade syndrome, which is basically you think like – you're very dramatic. The world is going to end. And you are like, oh, like my eye is hurting. Like, oh, there's a seal that needs to be broken to unleash my powers. You know, that kind of kind of cringe stuff. So he's into that. So that's why he kind of bullshitted and made that stuff up. Turns out he was right. Inadvertently. Also, he's super powerful. But like he is oblivious to the fact that 
all the stuff that he's been spewing and sort of touting are actually real. So there is no conspiracy because the conspiracy is real. And then it talks about his organization going through trying to stop the devil from reincarnated, all the while being surrounded by a bunch of weird comedic characters. And it's very, very weird compared to the anime trailer because the anime trailer plays it straight. And uh, there's a lot of comedic beats, and I really, really enjoyed the manga a lot. I think I gave it a 9 out of 10. It's more like an 8.5, but I quite like it. And I think they balance a lot of action slash blood, I guess, violence with really funny comedic beats. Because it's like, oh, where is the enemy being held? And then we can't find their base. And then the main character just throws a knife. And then it hits like a part of the map. And then um, the he's like, oh, the base is there. You know, just sort of literally lying. And then all of a sudden, like the intelligence officer is like, why would it be? Th- Wait a second. If we overlay the map and we read this documents and we put it on top of one another, wow, it really is the secret base. And he's like, wow, you guys are really into this story that I made up like ages ago when I'm trying to recruit you guys for no reason and um yeah looking forward to the anime then really looking forward to the anime all right well it sounds like it's going to be an eight out of ten yeah probably you, I, mean, you, I mean usually it's like that's the case when you ever get the source and then like you it's like an 8.2 8.5 on manga then like generally you see like a slight point reduction in the anime itself unless it's done really really well but it's what nexus studio yeah nexus studio so well, let's see what they do uh, let's see what they do but uh i really like the manga a lot and i think the anime went from something that i did not care for at all to something that i'm now full attention but it's not gonna come out for a while though, yeah october right? so you know so that would be fall Right. So, uh, I think that pretty much wraps up what we've been watching and reading. There, we've been, well, at least for me, I've been watching a lot of stuff. You've also been reading some stuff too, but we can't do all of them right now because we don't have enough time. We're going to save it for the next episode recording because now we're going to go into the news section. We've got some news. Some of them, it's like, okay, no shit, it's going to be happening. But there's also going to be a few things that are like, wow, this actually happened. I think we're gonna just, just going to start off with the, the first wow, right? Like, we you you've watched we've all watched Jujutsu Kaisen. Like, yeah. Don't lie, you haven't. It's like everybody's fucking watched that shit. And if you haven't, you have. You just don't remember it, or you're lying, right? Yeah, or you're lying. Yeah. Right. So everyone, every, I mean, for the most part, everyone enjoyed it. Everyone really liked it. I think that like in terms of like what the new hype anime is, like of course you know you still have your Demon Slayer, but Jujutsu Kaisen is a new kind of block, and you know they've been doing really well. Uh, they released their uh, Jujutsu Kaisen Zero movie earlier in the year. Uh, or even at the beginning of last year, at the, at the end of last year. Um, and that's been doing quite well. I think they're still playing in theaters in Japan. Um, it was playing in Hong Kong, but then because uh, you know the social distancing measures like got really, really intense in Hong Kong, therefore cinemas were closed anyway, so we couldn't watch it. Uh, we will find time to watch it once it does come back out again. And um, there's a new season. Well, the new season will, I mean, yeah, it, it, there should be a new season. Yeah, right? so it's going to be great, right? Well, well, um, not all is gravy within 
the the Mappa Studio. So uh, in recent in, in recent weeks, uh, there's actually been news of one of the directors for Jujutsu Kaisen, Sung Hoo Park, uh, who actually uh, tendered his resignation and has left Studio Mappa. Um, so that is that's not really news you want to hear, especially after like a good run of the first season, like a really good run for the, the movie as well. And like you're, you've, you've got enough material to adapt to make a second season. Like, why wouldn't you? It's incredibly popular. Um, but then to be dropped with the news that your director for has left the studio. That, has left that, the that, building. De- that definitely rocks the boat a bit. Um, we're look, we, we, we've made no like, like qualms with it well like we already knew that mappa itself is an intense environment to work in considering the fact that like they work on like three to five properties every year for a while like picking up stuff from madhouse do like they've been doing fucking like attack on titan the final as well so like it, it's it's been like non-stop running on fumes for the studio like i don't know like what the full sort of backstory is as to why the director left mappa but he did end up going on to say like okay originally he had created his own studio but then he went back to working as a director uh, for Jujutsu kaisen and now that you know the movie is done as well he decided yep i'm gonna go i'm, I'm gonna take the foot out the gas I'm, I'm leaving like my directorial responsibilities and I'm going to be running a studio myself. And so he's actually been going around and employing and recruiting animators and directors to work with him. Um, that must have been a plan of his for a while. Um, and how much of this really impacts the production of Jujutsu Kaisen, we don't know. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that is behind the scenes that maybe they already had another director in place to take over. Like maybe one of the, like the screenwriters or one of the, the storyboard designers like, basically stepping up or they might have someone else coming in already we don't know right but it, it doesn't sound that great especially when you're running such a super popular ip to find that one of the directors decides just i'm done peace i mean what, what, what's your take on this jason right so he is not just an episode director he is the director so he is i guess the showrunner of the entire series and uh again it's really hard to sort of say how impactful this would be for the new season of Jujutsu Kaisen but I can tell you that you know it's not that obvious it's very obvious to say that that is not good news because we know historically that season one and the movie is really good I mean I don't know about the movie but it's doing really well it's doing well yeah so and the scores on my anime list is phenomenal and clearly this guy is you know in the top seat for those to, uh, yeah, he's very important for Jujutsu Kaisen. So to have the very important person leave is like, a, like you, you can't help but have like a sense of panic kicking in, right? Hesitation, yeah, because it might be fine. There might not be any issues. You know, transition is okay, but it's not good news regardless. So yeah, hopefully they won't drop the ball with Jujutsu Kaisen. I don't think they will, but. Uh, Oh, they, they absolutely can't, unfortunately. Yeah. Like you're, you're handling such a huge IP that like you have to succeed no matter what. And unfortunately, that's that's just the way the industry, right? Yeah. Like you're handling Jujutsu Kaisen or handling like Demon Slayer or AOT, like even back then with Naruto. Like it, it's still like you gotta make this a success because we're banking on so much profit coming in from these properties that like there is absolutely no way it can fail. 
it must not fail. So we have no idea at this moment whether or not someone is going to step up from the team at like an episode director stepping up to be the chief director or they're going to get someone. It's unclear right now, which is also not good news because when they say that, oh, our main dude is leaving and we uh, that's it, guys. Uh, we'll, we'll let you know when we have an update. It's not that comforting. And it's also it's just like you, you're kind of being left by the wayside too, right? Like final season part two of AOT is like, like running. You've also got the like Demon Slayer wrapping up its second season and also then like announcing the next arc, uh, which will be coming out sometime next year, I think. Uh, and then of course you have like other stuff like Mob Psycho coming in later on the year. You've got My Hero Academia, uh, uh, the sixth season coming out as well. Like a lot of these huge properties are going to continue to be coming out throughout the year. And the last thing that JJK, Jesus Kaisen, want is to have to play catch up. Oh, I, I got really confused there why you mentioned uh, My Hero Academia and stuff because those are a different studio. But then now I realize it was because it's in competition with all the other series that are well known, right? Yeah. How else would you have interpreted it? <laughs> Sorry, I thought. Ma- well, because, why, because why, Mappa didn't. Why do I also those. talked about Doom Slayer. I also talked about. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. My yeah. bad, my bad. I'm just clarifying. My bad. Digging in too deep, Jason. Yeah, look, guys, it's early. Jason's not on point today. I'm not on point today. Right. When am I ever on point? Never. Um, so that's why we're gonna go straight into the next part of the updates, which is a premieres and sequel announcements. Uh, there's actually quite a lot. Jason did bring up that uh, Anime Japan 2022 uh, had done a huge slew of announcements both like premieres new projects yada 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 uh miscellaneous news uh and then of course there's a few other announcements that came out in terms of things getting sequels things getting adaptations um i'll just get the first one out of the way because it's very quick uh kenga ashura all of my mma and fighting fans uh we are finally getting a sequel to King Ashura. So season three is going to be coming out. Uh, so if, if you've been down with the first two seasons, get ready. There's going to be a lot more. Um, we can move on from that. Uh, up next is... Uh, this one actually was pretty interesting because Jason brought this up as well. So Gundam, everybody knows that shit. Uh, one of the greatest, most historic mecha series of all time. There's a, there is a working Gundam, life-size Gundam. Four of them, actually, yeah. around the world. One in China as well, I yeah. think. Um, but th- th- we're not talking about real life Gundam, even though there's actually another bit of news we can talk about. But that reason's not that important. What is important though is that uh, I think they're doing an industry first, at least for the franchise itself. So historically, the main character for the Gundam series, at least the main series, has always predominantly been male heroes. Well, this time round, Gundam: The Witch from Mercury. The new anime is revealing its first female hero within the franchise of the main series, which is, is historical. It's, it's literally never happened. I think it's been running for thirty years. Gundam, right? It's been it's no even before that. It was since the eighties that the Gundam series existed, right? Uh, so when we say main hero, we're not saying that female characters or female pilots does not exist within the world of Gundam because oh, no, clearly I, I, they do. I mean, as a main series, there exactly. Was a hero. That's why this is important because sort of the poster child, the the person, the character that is on all the advertisements for the first time, and them acknowledging that yo, the female is in the forefront, is a big deal. 
I think. So no, it's good. I mean, like it's going to happen eventually. It, it it was going to happen. It just, I mean, it took a lot longer than expected. Um, but you know, it's it's good that we're finally seeing something that's different uh, within what the the longest running series of all time. Um, so I haven't really watched much Gundam recently. I know there's like. I mean, there's there's the Hathaway series, there's Iron Blooded Orphans, there's always like new other originals that come up within like the series that are tied to Gundam. Um, so hey, maybe we have we have an episode dedicated to Mechas coming up at some point anyway. So we will be watching a few more Gundam series. So when that time comes, we'll get around to it. Before we get into our anime Japan convention news like roundup. We have, unfortunately, some not-so-good news. And, unfortunately, this also has a huge impact for a lot of anime watchers. So, Crunchyroll is, goes without saying, especially after their merger with Funimation, uh, is a big deal in the streaming uh, world for anime. They pretty much run the game at this point. Would you say, well, they're, it's, it, they're just so massive well, it's, now? It's, it's the platform. I mean, yeah. Funimation doesn't really exist anymore, and not everybody's going to be using High Dive or going to, to Hulu and Netflix. To, I mean, even if you have Netflix, which, by the way, uh, in terms of Netflix, like over half of users of Netflix have watched quote unquote anime. Oh, yeah, last I, year. yeah. That was pretty interesting, too. It's good. But the, the catalog is nowhere near as, as, as thick and diverse as, as Crunchyrolls. So you have to say it is the de facto platform. Now, they have announced that. Uh, they are not doing ad-supported simulcast streaming starting with the season that's airing now. In the past, what they would do is they would have a free service and then they will have the premium service. Uh, the free service, you watch ads, but then you can watch the simulcast stuff, I think, one week after. I think there are some with certain exceptions, but there is a, there's a lag in time. Now, they are not doing that, but they're only allowing, I think, the first three episodes. So starting with spring 2022, the first three episodes that will be available for free ad-supported viewing. And here's the other thing, for a limited time. So it's not even like, oh, this is just going to be available permanently. No, this ad-supported viewing is only going to be available for a set amount of time. We're not sure what. So things like Spike's Family. Things like uh, Shikimori isn't just a cutie. There is like the, the Otome dating sim. There's like there's a bunch of titles that they're saying straight off the bat. It's like the the first three episodes are ad supported, but beyond that, no. Also, the first three episodes being ad supported may not be there. Well, actually, they made an update saying that the spring season is still available to free to watch for free with ads. That's the second half. Oh, of the they're decade. just stopping the automatic free availability yeah. of all simulcast content. My so bad. So they're still they're still doing it. I think it's just like they're rolling it out a little slower next. But so it's like you know, if it was originally what was slated in the news, then yeah, that's that's not great. But then I think they're not giving people like a I guess a quote unquote grace period, uh, which is nice. Um, yeah. I, I mean, like, at the same time, like I could, you anybody could have seen that this was going to be the new model they were going to roll with anyway, because it is, you know, very much a a, a paid plat- a subscription platform, and therefore they're, they're going to be pushing for users to actually sign up for premium plans. So, natural progression, understandably, that it's just something they had to do. It sucks for people, but hey, like 
a lot of stuff ain't free anyway. Like you don't have Netflix for free. You have to pay for subscription as well. So it's only natural that Crunchyroll is going to do the same thing. And to be honest, uh, we have Crunchyroll Premium, so I actually don't. I won't know the difference to yeah. be honest. But really, sign up. It's really not that expensive. Cancel your Netflix and just watch Crunchyroll. Oh no, no, no! Do both. Just, just. Do Unless, both. I mean, what? So people can watch Takagi-san season two. And Violet Evergarden, right? Man. Come on, everybody, come on! Everybody's already watched that shit. What about Kotaro, man? Okay, fine. Yeah, whatever. there you go. Right. All right. Um, now let's get on to the Anime Japan 2022 news stories. So I will we'll just, go through. The... Just breeze through these. So uh, let's. I'll talk about the premiere announcement. So I mentioned Eminence and Shadow getting an October 2022 uh, premiere. JoJo Stone Ocean Part Two, or the next Kerr, I guess is coming out on Netflix in fall 2022. Uh, Golden Kamui Season 4 is getting a fall 2022. Springen is getting, um, I think, uh, what was it? A June? Or is it July? Springen's coming out. Springen's coming out. And then uh, Uncle from Another World, also known as Uncle Isekai, is getting a summer 2022 uh, broadcast date. So a bunch of trailers showed up, a bunch of dates. So there you go. New projects, though. All right, well, we can, I, we can just say this. It's not like we need to spend much time on this. I like uh, Sh- Studio Shaft a lot. But, they, you, but you don't like Ruby. R-W-B-Y. Right? No, I think that was okay. I just didn't know what Shaft was up to because they didn't do March Comes in Like a Lion Season 3 and also more Monogatari. So clearly, we found out now why, because they are slated to do an adaptation of Ruby. R-W-B-Y, which is, I think, the Rooster Teeth uh, which series. Which really, doesn't really exist, exist anymore. anymore. Yeah, but that's what Shaft is doing now. So uh, if you like Ruby, you like Shaft, there you go. That's what they're doing next. Um, another bit of news in terms of well, following the JoJo stuff. So we know that Stone Ocean is airing right now. Uh, well, I mean, it's it's on Netflix. There's a new Kerr coming out soon. In a couple days' time, at least from recording, I think by the time this episode comes out, it would have come out yesterday, like the day before that. Uh, there is a 10th anniversary project announcement for the JoJo's Adventure, uh, Bizarre Adventure anime. Now, not much information given. They're usually pretty tight-lipped about that stuff. So we'll only find out what's happening uh, in a couple days. So we'll be able to report on that later on, or you guys can Google and find out yourselves. Uh, do you have any predictions, No, Will? let's just go on. Okay. All right. Then um, the last We're bit of... We're already over time anyway. Okay, sure. Then the last bit of news is about the survey results for manga that needs to be adapted. And uh, Kaiju number 8 is on that list for the top 10. Number 10, to be precise. Number 8 is uh, the 100 Girlfriends Who Really, 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 Really Love You. And um, I guess other than that, like a bunch of titles that are available in Japanese. But those are the two that we wanted to mention because I read 100 Girlfriends and we like it a lot. And Will and I really like Kaiju number 8. So hopefully this would mean that there will be an anime adaptation coming. Yeah. Hopefully a whole slew of stuff gets announced for next year. So... Yeah, that pretty much wraps up the news. Um, we will go on a quick break uh, because we're going to be going over uh, a new studio analysis. Uh, we're going to be going over a couple of series we want to discuss. Um, so stay tuned. We'll yeah. be catching you guys after the break. I promise I'll wake the hell up. Yeah, like you're. Yeah, what's happened to you, man? Welcome back, everybody, to the second half of the Good Anime Palette podcast, episode number 31. 
I have got my second wind. I am ready to go. Full throttle. Yeah. And basically, w- uh, we, we just needed some coffee. Yeah. We're starting earlier than usual because today is a very long recording session. So that's why we need to get as much fuel as possible. I think I think we're, we're, we're back to equilibrium now. Right. So Jason here, Will is here as well, obviously. And we are now going to get into our main discussion topic. Another studio analysis. This time, it is Studio Bones. Right. So the last studio we did was... Actually, we did two studios. One which was Kyoto Animation, and the one previously being Madhouse. Now we're going into a studio which actually, like... To be fair, they've actually been around for quite a long time. I think a lot of people would recognize the studio for their more recent stuff, but they've actually been around since the 90s. Um, and they have some connections to some even more old school studios. So Studio Bones was founded back in 1998 um, by former Sunrise staff members Masahiko Minami, Hiroshi Osaka, and Toshihiro Karamoto. Um, so, dude, they... If we talk Sunrise, like they're like they, they gave birth to the whole Gundam series, which has been around for since the eighties. So this is these are like some old school names. Um, so the project that they first started off with, uh, actually the three together was collaborating uh, with Sunrise, uh, working on Cowboy Bebop, uh, Knocking on Heaven's Door, which is a feature film that's based on the Cowboy Bebop anime series. I've never uh, actually watched it. No, I do. The Cowboy Bebop, like, oh, man, watched that a long time ago. And I don't think I watched like, The thing is, right, we'll get into it at some point, but I don't really watch many feature films for most anime series. Like, for example, if we talk like My Hero Academia, I've watched the series, but I think I've only watched one movie. Most of the time, like, I, I don't really get into it nowadays. It's the whole, is it canon, is it not canon? Like, that's the main issue for me. Well, um, I haven't watched much of the My Hero... Actually, none of the My Hero Academia movies at all. But uh, They're not bad, but again, it's also like, is it worth the time? It, it's really up to the watcher and, and like if they feel it's worth their time. So at this point in uh, the studio's history, we will fast forward to uh, 2007 which is, at that point, uh, the studio suffered the loss of one of their co-founders, Hiroshi Osaka, which is well-known for his work as a character designer, as you might expect with uh, being affiliated with Sunrise, uh, Mobile Suit Victory Gundam, and uh, G Gundam, Mobile Fighter G Gundam. And then um, he's been battling cancer, unfortunately, and um, he passed away on um, September 24, 2007, 44 yeah. years of age. Yeah, so this had been going on for quite a while. Um, he, of course, fought to the very end. Um, and I think that he could be very proud of what he's done because, you know, he essentially helped, you know, start up one of the, the most renowned animation studios in Japan uh, as well as globally. And I worked on some really, really big names too. So, you know, as short as his life was, I think that he essentially uh, was able to, to reach his full potential and showcase, you know, what he what he lived for, which was to essentially create, you know, very, very, very wonderful animations. So, of course, rest in peace. And hope, of course, that the families uh, and friends connected to him are doing well. Um, so for, fast forward after that, you know, they then added uh, two new additions uh, to the board of directors for the studio, which is Makoto Watanabe and Takahiro Komori. Now, Komori was known as a character designer and animator who had been with the studio, with Studio Bones, since its inception uh, and had previously worked as a designer for um, Angelic Layer, Darkened in Black, Scrapped Princess, and a few other things. So that would be like the core sort of like top dogs 
of Bones Studio. Now, it's not like there's like a whole lot of like elaborate history compared to Madhouse, compared to Kyoto Animation, and it's because of the fact that unlike the previous two studios, it's been relatively like free of of scandals, of major tragedies, of like just just general like inconveniences. I'd say that it's been a pretty steady shit with Studio Bones. Yeah, and um, obviously that's a very, very good thing. And we hope, you know, Studio Bones is, continues to, <clears throat> sorry, make a lot of good works. I also think that one of Studio Bones' unique, I suppose unique-ish features, is that their uh, size of their studio, at least as of April 2021, is 80 people. However they have very, very explicitly split up their studios internally as Studio A, B, C, D, and recently Studio E. So usually when, uh, for example, when we hear like any studio like MAPPA, for example, you don't really have a very clear distinction between like, oh, this is Studio A, this is Studio B. And it makes sense because sometimes certain IPs are attached to certain studios and then you'll be like oh this studio is doing this show which i don't like so i don't care you know that kind of thing so having it and also you know you don't want to necessarily want to dedicate a core staff and just not give them any other projects other than you know the ones that are attached to your studio but studio bones is like you know what let's buck the trend let's just do Studio A, B, C, D, and E. Yeah, well, I, I think it's like, for example, with MAPPA. Like, we've, we've talked about MAPPA a lot of times. But, you know, they, they do a lot of work every year. And so, therefore, it's like, how much of the core group itself is working on one or two specific projects? Is it like, your Disney has to do this, and then you do that? No. Like, it, it's nice to see that there are, like, clear lines of, of, of division in terms of, you guys are only going to be working on these properties, and so on and so forth, so that that way you're not kind of like dwindling the the manpower. Like they're very dedicated to what they do. Therefore, you know that they can perfect their craft, and it's it's nice to see. I think like there there may be like internal divisions within these studios. It's just that Studio Bones is very public with how they do it. I also think that um, it could be a double edged sword because let's say once one studio needs more manpower, well obviously you can shift another studio's priorities to help that other studio. But then what's the point of differentiating all these different studios by letters? I know in, a, in some ways that sounds very semantic, but I think when it, uh, in Japanese culture, when identity and your affiliation with your team, your loyalty, uh, even if it's within the same company, it matters quite a bit, especially when you work with these people day in and day out on these projects. There are habits, quips, or just things, a uh, way about doing things that are just different, even within the same animation studio, just internally it's different, that's all. So yeah, so we'll go over like a, a quick kind of breakdown in terms of the studios themselves, who leads them, and what projects they mainly do, we'll just quickly run over them, because a lot of these studios will be actually covering in more depth when we talk about the, the studio, the, the recommendations in the latter half of this discussion. So Studio A uh, is led by the producer uh, Naoki Amano, uh, mainly known for Gothic, Wolf's Reign, Angelic Lair, Hiwo, War Chronicles, Noragami, and most recently, Carolyn 2. Tuesday. Uh, Studio B is very well known for Eureka 7, the old one, which we'll get into. How would you say this next one? Raf Rafsephion? Rafsephon. Rafsephon, Space Dandy, and 
most recently, Mob Psycho 100. Yeah, just a quick correction, and of course, it's like no fault of your own there. It's actually Erica 7. It's it's weird, I know, but like that's how they pronounce it in the show. Um, but oh, so it's like Cas Cashern and yeah, Cashon. It's like that, exactly like that. Wait, uh, so Will, uh, how do you say it again? Erica Seven. Erica Seven. Okay, I'll... or Erica. It's it's really weird. Okay, but I'll explain later on. Uh, Studio C is led by Yoshihiro Ayabu, uh, known for the original Full Metal Alchemist that came out in two thousand three, followed by Dark and Black, The Black Contractor, Soul Eater, and. Oran High School Host Club, and currently it's working exclusively for My Hero Academia. Um, now, My Hero Academia is a bit interesting because it, it, it has gone through, I think, a few different studios. I think Studio A did season one, and then other studios, which which then led to Studio C being the one like fully focusing on My Hero Academia. So essentially, projects can change hands, but for the most part, like once it's set within a studio itself, it remains there. So I think right now, Studio C. Fully uh, focused on uh, MHA. All right. And then um, Studio D is well known for uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood and Number 6. And then since 2015, it has also worked on Bungo Stray Dogs and is led by Mari Suzuki. So um, Bungo Stray Dogs has announced a bunch of stuff recently and very well known. We'll, we'll get into that later on as well. Um, now, very perfectly, that Studio E falls on me because uh, it's the newest studio led by Makoto Watanabe and uh, works on a ton of shit. <laughs> Unfor- <laughs> Unfortunately, like, okay, like, okay, props to them still. I mean, they're, they're working hard on it. It's just that I feel very differently about the new Erika 7 stuff. So they've been working on the movies for Erika 7 since 2017. It is the youngest studio within the Studio Bones internal studio structure. Um, we none of this none of the stuff we've watched uh, that we want to recommend has been made by Studio E because they solely focus on the Erica Seven like, new stuff. So we won't really go into that much detail about it. But maybe later on when I muster the courage to actually crack open some new Erica Seven stuff, maybe we'll see. Uh, I did not expect you to just lay it down thick like that, man. man. Like, dude, it wasn't even just me. Like a lot of people just don't enjoy the new Erica Seven stuff. But it's 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 hard. I think that because like you know when you have such a a wonderful sort of like original that was created like many many years ago, and you want to try and create something new, you're gonna have like adversity in your face there's gonna be a lot of people that are like this isn't the old shit that we like we don't like the new stuff it's it's always hard like people always want innovation but we also want convenience and familiarity that's just generally how human beings are we're, we're really contradictory human being animals that's what we are we're, we're animals so when you look at the catalog of shows that uh studio bones has made or will make soon three shows stand out in which i would i dub them Studio Bones is big three. The current big three as well. So the, they're they're still running or they are about to release uh, new shit in the coming seasons. And these three are Mob Psycho 100, My Hero Academia, and Boon Go Straight Dogs. Now, obviously, each of these three shows are massive, not only in terms of critical reception, well, for some of for them. For the most part. For the most part. And also just popularity as well. So, if you don't know any of these three series, uh, it, it's it's hard to not have. I mean, I think, like, understandably that Mob Psycho and Bungo Stray Dogs, the last release they had was back in 2019, but they are going to be dropping their new seasons later on this year. Us is Hero Academia. So, My Hero Academia, 
season five came out a couple seasons ago. It's it's not the best. We haven't watched it yet. Um, but I, at, at the same time, it's like we already had four seasons of Maracademia. We can take our time with it. But Jason's right. This is what you would call the current big three of Studio Bones. And, and, and the people are probably wondering, well, why didn't you include uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, right? Why didn't you include that one? It's, it's the biggest they've done. Well, it's because it came out like 13 years ago. So it's no longer like current. It's still very much relevant. You haven't watched it yet. But for the purpose of like this particular big three, we, we can't put it in there. So in our recommendations, we are not going to mention Mob Psycho 100 and My Hero Academia. Primarily, not necessarily because it's bad, although Will and I have uh, trepidations towards My Hero Academia's latest season. But no no issues at all with Mob Psycho 100. Exactly. Uh, it's just because it's massively popular. And I think that the we think that the conversation... A lot of has already been said, and I don't think we will need to add too much to it, what, to be honest. What we would say about these two particular series is what people already know anyway. Like, if we just talk about Mob Psycho 100, okay, so, like, everyone knows, or at least should know, that it's based on the manga series of the same name by uh, the manga One, uh, who is also of One Punch Man fame. Uh, two seasons, Mob Psycho 100 Season 1 and Season 2, both fantastic. I gave Season 2 a 10, I gave it. I gave season two a nine, and I think season two is just phenomenal. Like, okay, understandably, like maybe the character designs aren't for everyone, but again, if you if you base it off of just that alone, you're kind of missing like the rest of what makes Mob Psycho 100 fantastic. Like, really, like everyone should be excited for season three. We're so excited, and I think uh, one of the most memorable scenes of season two, which there are many of. Uh, Mob Psycho is uh, a press conference that was held, and what they, happens yeah. afterwards. I think was, they also have a like a side OVA right for Reagan. Yeah, they have one. So like, I, I I'm I'm fully invested in the Mob Psycho like, universe. It, it's it's a really really fantastic property. As am I, and um, they just do action and character development really well. So and like the little bits, little quips of comedy in there too. It's done well. It's just done really, really well. Now, Very well written. My Hero Academia is... Hmm. It's hard to say how we really feel about it because like, it's it's a very, very popular, very well-known shonen. I mean, like we already have like many iterations of different shonens that people can feel kind of differently about. I mean, we have like Black Clover, we have Fairy Tail, we have Seven Deadly Sins, Naruto, Bleach, yada, yada, yada. Like... The reason why their scores are always like in the mid sevens to the low eights, it's because it it can be a little bit divisive, right? It's like you, it, it uses the same formula. You always have a main character that has no powers, and all of a sudden powers up not through his own sort of talent, but essentially just sheer quote unquote hard work and good luck. Friendship is involved, exactly, usually. and hard work always beats talent. There yeah, is yeah, a yeah. very clear division of who's good and who's bad. And let's be real, though. Like, the first couple... I, I'd say, like, the first three seasons, great. I, I really did like Mario Academia. Like, it was always, like, eights or, like, 8.5s. Never really a nine, but it's always hard when you have such a very, very, like, clustered network of all these different shonens. It's kind of hard to really say which one stands on top. But I, I thoroughly enjoyed the first three seasons. I also enjoyed the first three seasons and the first half of season four, the second half I thought was not great at all. I also would say that uh, season one of My Hero Academia 
I remember very fondly to give me the same feeling of Attack on Titan season one in that like the epicness, the like the kind of like hot blooded, energetic feeling of overcoming obstacles that just seem so mammoth in proportion. The captures very well in the first season of My Hero Academia. And obviously there are plenty of those moments in the later seasons as well, but I remember season one being like out of nowhere because I wasn't aware of um, Shonen Jump, uh, their publication of My Hero Academia at the time. Also, like My Hero Academia does feature one of the best <clears throat> tournament arcs as well as training arcs too. Oh, 100%. 100%. That's, that's, that's why we, we definitely have to give props to it. Now, you know, yes, we haven't watched season five yet, but it's literally because we have so much other stuff we need to watch that fortunately My Academia has to be a casualty in terms of we just don't have time to watch it. But, you know, eventually we will because season six is coming out soon. So I, I'm still invested in My Academia. I just, it's kind of, you've really, you already know how the formula works. So you're, you're, there really isn't too many surprises left, I don't think. I mean, also it's ending. So, uh, that not only poses a lot of, I guess, issues for Shonen Jump, even though that is uh, independent of Studio Bones, but I just feel that uh, the, I guess, the climax of My Hero Academia has been reached. And exactly. right now they're just winding down, resolving everything. Like there has to be a point where you're like, where is this going to go? Because you've already shown like some of the craziest fights in the series already that at some point, kind of feels a little bit rehashed and at the word it's like when you try and create like a new tangent in terms of the story you're like well this did really work i can see why you did it but like this isn't why i watched my academia in the first place like no offense to them of course like they had yeah. to make some changes it's and we also have mutual friends who has read the manga and even they were like yeah kind of trails off so you stopping here is not necessarily the worst decision ever so Again, regardless, the first few seasons of My Hero Academia is one of the more important anime series during the time that it was airing. And I think their reputation and acclaim is deserved. So that's what our thoughts are on Mob Psycho and My Hero Academia. Yep. Bungo being one of the current top three, a big three for Bones. Um, we will go over it a little bit more in depth because, you know, despite it being insanely popular, I think that, you know, it would be nice to give it a little bit of a refresher because I'm extremely stoked on the fourth season coming up later on this year. So we'll talk about that in just a few moments. Do, you, um, do, do we want to go over some of the honorable mentions in terms of what else Bones has been working on more recently? Yeah. So when we look at our recommendations, you might be like, hey, what about this show or that show? So we want to just go over real quick why or why not we did not go over these shows and recommend them in our formal recommendations. Yep. And some of these we did actually watch like when the season itself premiered. So for example, the case study of Anitas. We did watch the first episode when it premiered. Um I I, I don't know how I feel about it. I, I know only one episode doesn't really give you much insight to how it, I mean it, the second season is doing pretty well. But I, I don't know. How, I, like, does it grip you? Does it make you want to go back to be like, yeah, I will finish season one so I can see what the hype is about season two? I think I will try to find out. But when it came to sort of deciding on what to recommend and what to watch, I was like, 
yeah, Vampire Boys should be okay, I guess. But I got burned by Visual Prison, so sorry. Uh, case study of Vanitas is not your fault, but I'd rather not talk about, you know, another vampire show. Pretty boys doing pretty things, essentially. Skate the Infinity is also another pretty boys doing pretty things that Will and I have watched. I've watched, couple, I've watched like three episodes. And I still don't understand why people go crazy it's, over it's, the show. It's colorful with pretty boys, you know, doing skateboard stuff. But what about... Uh, pretty girls doing music stuff with carolyn tuesday so this is i know it got a lot of acclaim in the beginning because again it seemed like there really wasn't like a lot of its type i mean like we, we have had like music based uh anime i mean we've got like rely on april we got no dame cantabile we've no, no, got no, sounds we got, of life no but, we got sinful gear man and sinful gear there you go uh, we also got cross Ange as well yes we also to an got extent, to an extent uh, sound euphonium as well or given, I guess, which we haven't checked out, but we've heard Beck many good things. Well. Yeah, Beck. Beck. Uh, oh, so. and also, I guess as well, um, Nana in a way too. Though I mean, the the music element is not necessarily the, the core. There's other reasons though as to why you want to watch Nana, but that's a classic. So Carolyn Tuesday, on the other hand, though, <sighs> okay. Well, I think Carolyn Tuesday has a lot of things going for it. It's not bad. It's really not bad. I think the music is phenomenal. Obviously. Uh, so they did that part, right? It's Watanabe doing what he does, and he's pretty good at doing music-oriented shows, whether it is actually about music or as like an accompaniment to the show itself. But like, when you have the music accompanying something that I didn't really vibe with, like it's it, it's a nice add-on. But when like your add-on is the best part, and the main story itself isn't great, or at least in my opinion, isn't really great. I, I, I just didn't feel the need to continue watching it. Like by the end of the second episode, I was just like, it's just going to be more of the same shit. And there's a, it's it's like twenty four episodes. There's very two long, curves, right? Yeah, very long. So I watched more, but I also share the same sentiment that Will has. But Will likes another show, which we both dismissed very early on but then will decided to go back to it and now thoroughly enjoyed space dandy yeah another one of um jinichiro watanabe's originals it's 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 a very different experience compared to watching samurai champloo and cowboy bebop but uh we will go over in more depth in the in, in one of our later episodes specifically the after dark episode nine um and then of course you know another one that's we we will talk about just briefly um, because of how good it already is, is uh, Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood. All-time classic. There, at, at the moment, it is still ranked as the best-ranked anime series of all time on my anime list at a 9.15. Um, I mean, is there anything else we need to say about it? it it's, it's, it's fantastic. I gave it a 10. Uh, I did not, but I also think that it is a very good show. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. We had a chat about Soul Eater as well. Believe it or not, Soul Eater was done by Bones. And um, it's good. Not great, but good. Um, also, a lot of episodes. I think 50? 50. It's, it's a long... It's it, it's at least four curves. And then um, one of the shows that we thought of recommending in initially, or at least checking out, uh, was Darker Than Black, The Black Contractor. And the problem with that one is... We couldn't really find any streaming options available such that, like, 
Crunchyroll lost a license about five years ago, so unfortunately, no one's picked it up, uh, or it has been picked up. It just is not uh, legally available, so no way we can check it out. Okay, there is when we were looking over the catalog, there was a set of movies that looked Chinese as fuck. The yeah, name, right? but actually, it is not. Not at all. It is Toa no Kwan, and I think there are six movies out, and. Uh, each one is like a 7.45, 7.38. It's very middling in terms of its ranking and popularity. Doesn't mean it's bad, but it wasn't. It didn't stick out to us that we thought checking out six movies would be, or checking out even several movies would be worth. It's also, it's also kind of hard to find. You can't yeah. find it, but it's just like, do you want to go through all these hurdles just to be able to access, legally access uh, these six movies? Yeah, we, we, we didn't find that time nor the dedication to do it because there's just other stuff we need to go through. Now, uh, the last one's a bit different from the other. Very different. Because and it's not a series. It's not a movie. It's not a, an anime series. It's a music video. And I think we might get some flack. Some people might have a bone to pick with us because uh, this is the Pokemon special music video, Gotcha. And it is uh, the music video um, by the band, not by the band, but the music is Bump of Chicken, which I think did oh, um, classic. They did uh, recently. They did Battle Blood Blockade. Oh yeah, they did Kaka Sensei. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like very, very good band. And um, the music is good. The music is great. I mean, the visuals were also really good too. And eye catching. Uh, when it aired, everyone went ape shit, especially on the internet in the forums. Everyone's telling, saying like, "Oh, how nostalgic it is," and how you know, intricate and how many callbacks there were for this um, anime music video. And uh, as someone who has actually played a lot, a lot of Pokemon, I don't, I got very little out of it. I, I don't get it. At the moment, the video itself on YouTube through the Pokemon official YouTube channel uh, has just under 60 million views. Um, they, however, have disabled their like and dislike ratio and also turned off comments i'm wondering why but i i agree it's like oh, pe people are gonna of course have that sort of nostalgia factor when watching this it's like oh there's a little easter egg here a little easter egg there it's very cool to see this brought back to life and all that but it's like pokemon's been around for like 25 years like it's not like nostalgia does anything for you. It's 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 literally been around every single year. So it's kind of hard to use a nostalgia factor to base your your enjoyment out of it. Again, like I'm not trying to trigger anybody here. I don't think Jason's either. But no, like, did it, did it vibe that much with you? No, it did not at all. And okay, look, the internet and uh, forum posters have tendencies to exaggerate or be very extreme in sort of their views sometimes. Oh, this is crap. This is great. But Will and I went over some of the messages a while ago when um, the music video premiered. And I remember a bunch of people just saying like, this is like the second coming of Christ kind of thing. Like, oh my God, this is fantastic. I cried so hard. I got very emotional. Now, I'm not oh, saying... The, the real fans will understand what this is all about. It's so cool that they did this. Like, I I, I stand Pokemon. I stand Bump of Chicken. All that. It's like, look, great. Like, yeah. it's, it's awesome you guys feel that way. But it, it, there's just some things to it that, like, I didn't see it. 
I enjoyed it, but not for the same reasons that everyone else did. Look, it's a really cool music video. It really is. But uh, I didn't get it out of I didn't get out of it like what all these people are claiming, and it's fine. The problem is a lot of people don't see it as fine, and um, I thought we would end it on that for honorable mentions, right? Yeah. So that's essentially like the the main gist of you know some of the backlogs of the Bone Studio catalog, along with some of the more current stuff. What we're going to do now then is transition into. The stuff that we have watched over the last couple of weeks, the stuff that we want to push forward to the listeners uh, to check out because some of them are either quite well known, but you know have been kind of fallen by the wayside recently. Some of them are just old as shit classics that I think people really should give a chance. Um, I think both of us have five recommendations. We'll try to be able to do all that. We should be able to, actually, given the time. Um, but some of these are going to be quite quick in terms of you know how many episodes it has. Some of them are going to be long as heck. Um, but they're all worth it in their own ways. So do you want to, do you want to go first, Jason? Yeah, sure. Um, as someone who reads and watches a lot of shoujo, it comes to no surprise to anybody, including Will, that no fucking way there is a very very well known shoujo series that got that Bones adapted called Snow White with the Red Hair, two seasons, uh, based on the manga of the same name by Sorata Akizuki. Who did the story and the art? Uh, it's still, by the way, uh, in publication, and it's insane because it was like what two thousand and uh, two thousand and six. Probably been running that long. Actually, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because the anime itself, the first season premiered in summer two thousand fifteen, um, specifically done by Studio B of Bones. So just a couple of mouth stats. Triple uh, seven in terms of the raw score, seven point seven seven, ranked nine hundred twenty two. The very high popularity, two hundred and eighty nine. Um, then that's made up by five hundred and seventy five thousand six hundred and five members. So, so hugely popular. Uh, the first public first chapter was August tenth, two thousand and six. So it's been wow. So yeah, almost sixteen years. So as like and it, this manga was always sort of at the back of my mind that I would put on the same pedestal as Fruits Basket in terms of its pedigree. And I've Is not... It, isn't the, the, the poster for it literally just a girl holding a basket of fruit? With red hair? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, the, the story is rather interesting because it involves a love story between a prince, specifically the second prince of a certain country, and girl with red hair which believe it or not is very uncommon in this world in fact she's the only one with red hair no well not really but did they explain why yeah they kind of do later on i guess but the point is that she had to escape her country because basically a really asshole playboy prince was like oh i want you as my concubine and she's like fuck no i'm bouncing so then she escapes to the neighboring country and um a long story short she tries to you know interact and befriend the prince and she slowly eventually becomes an apothecary working for the palace of the royal family for the second prince 
Now, with with the name Snow White with the red hair, is there any association with like the original story, or is it just associated by name? Like, are, is there is there is there a witch? Is there a wolf? Is there like okay. a lumberjack? Are there are are there like dwarves okay. in this as well? So I actually thought like, oh, there has to be like those kinds of references, right? And um, yeah, it in in the very 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 beginning that happens. And I'm going to spoil it because it's not really a spoiler because I think it's really funny because she escapes and then the 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 playboy asshole prince tries to poison her with an oh apple. <laughs> but then uh, let's just say she didn't. He's the evil witch. She, yeah. So then the she doesn't ingest it. The prince does. But because she studies apothecary and is an herbalist. She realizes what's happening and saves his life. And then, long story short, he's like, yo, you're good with herbs, right? You should try to work at the royal palace because I work there because I'm the second prince. Also, this love story cannot continue if we don't meet each other all the damn time. That okay, so there there is some association, but definitely, and then it, that's it. There's no it, more it, apples. It, it, there's nothing. No dwarves. No dwarves. No oh. no wicked witch. No no magic bullshit. Nothing. So um, I don't know why they call it Snow White. Oh, by the way, I I completely fucked up when I was talking about the wolf and the lumberjack. That's that's Red Riding Hood. Because <laughs> because when I thought red hair, I was like, wait a minute, is there any? No, but I I got that one completely wrong. Wrong story. But uh, yes, no dwarves. Uh, is there a mirror at least? Nope. Okay. But um, the female heroine is Shiroyuki, and Zen, Prince Zen, is the love interest. There's a bunch of characters that show up as well that work in the royal palace. And I have to say, though, this love story is extremely, extremely well done. You're done with both seasons, right? That's correct. I've consumed everything possible of the anime and i'm pretty committed now like personally to read the manga because it is similar to fruits basket it the premise is actually like the starting point and then it uh, it's not just a typical love story because they each character you actually see growth and development and it's not just like very uh typical and stereo like there's no stereotypes or at least it starts off like that and then they build on that because Guess what? The asshole prince shows up again and has this redemption arc. So, you know. and But to be fair, the redemption arc is awesome. So, look. The two seasons, you can consume it. I really like it. And I think if you are not that into shoujo, this is still worth checking out. But because it's a shoujo, it is heavily, heavily romance-based. There is um, a lot of, I guess, talking and some very minor action. But I think that the emotional investment and the production quality also, I have to say, is done very, very well. I think that's the same thing that we're, we're going to say time and time again with Studio Bones is that they are consistent in their quality of uh, production quality. So I think it's great. Very nice. Okay. It's now... That that what did you give it as a score in the end? Uh, I gave season one an eight and season two a nine. Wow, good good scores then. Great okay. scores. Pretty pretty like similar to how they read it. I think they're like high. I mean, seven point seven is it across both seasons. I mean, I'm sure the second season itself is 
just as high, if not higher. Uh, either way, that's that's you know seven point nine eight for the second season. There you go. Right uh, now, on to my my first recommendation. Uh, we're gonna be talking about a classic uh, that by classic like didn't come out that long ago, but the first season came out in winter two thousand fourteen. Uh, I'm talking about Noragami, uh, along with its second season, Noragami Aragoto. So it was produced by Studio A of Bones. Original source being a manga written by Arachitoka, which is like a group of mangakas, female mangakas, uh, and uh, the English version is published by Kodansha USA. Originally published by Kodansha itself as well. Oh, I didn't know that. So it's like clamp in that. Like in a way, like... yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so the first season came out winter 2014. Second season, which is Aragoto, came out in fall 2015. Mal stats are pretty consistent. 7.97 for the first season, 7, uh, 8.17 for the second season. Now, pretty decent scores, but what's fucking crazy about it as well is that to this day, to this very day, it still holds incredible popularity. In fact, like the first season, I usually just go by the first season because not everyone follows like subsequent seasons, but yeah. you, you should still at least take note of that too. Uh, season one has one point over one point eight million followers in terms of like the the Mal platform, which puts it at top twenty for its popularity, insanely high. But it has been kind of fallen by the wayside because, well, I'll go into the reasons a little bit later. I'll just go over the story uh, itself. Uh, well, yeah. but before that, um, the recommendations I think also with Studio Bones in general, they have. Uh, tendency where all their anime adaptations are massively popular. Yeah. I think in general, I mean, you get duds here and there, but with Studio Bones in particular, I think a lot of, a huge majority of their catalog is massively popular. Definitely, a lot of them are uh, above top, 1, 500, yeah, top 500, actually. And 1,000 for sure. Like, it is like, it really goes to show the quality that or like the, 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 the reputation that exactly bones has so, also arigato i thought it was ar- <laughs> ar- 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 arigato yes, yes I, yeah i thought it was too to this day i did not know until just now like literally i'm not even joking so a quick kind of summary in terms of what the story is about so noragami essentially translated into english means stray god and so we have the titular character Yato, who himself is a stray god. So he was sort of known as like a, a, a god of mischief, a god of destruction. So just literally, you know, up to no good. But after a while, he decided that you know what, like I don't really want to be an edge lord anymore. I don't want to commit any more acts of violence. I'm just going to be, you know, very peacekeeping. I'm just going to do a lot of sort of like more like civilian esque kind of responsibilities and therefore he feels better about himself however because he was always remembered as the god of destruction and mischief people slowly started forgetting about him and he actually started developing a fear of i don't remember what the phobia is called but it's like a phobia of being forgotten and the reason why is because of the fact that people don't pray to him anymore people don't like acknowledge him as a god of destruction no longer is he like sort of worthy of discussion He's just essentially, like the title says, a straight god. Oh, God. Uh, I don't even know how to pronounce this. Don't worry about it, then. Athzagoraphobia. There you go. That's the, the phobia that he slowly develops. So Yato then essentially tries to make a name for himself as more like a sort of um, like a chore kind of god, in which he basically does little tasks for other deities, other gods, for five yen. Now, why is five yen significant? It's because whenever you go to a temple and you make those sort of like prayer donations, usually like the the most common denomination to, to donate is a five yen coin. So therefore, that's why there's a little bit of significance behind why he does his tasks for five yen. Uh, now, he then comes to across a 
incident, uh, guess what? A bus is about to hit him. Uh, doesn't become an isekai. Oh, I was about to say. But there is isekai elements because there's a girl <clears throat> that's very nearby. Her name is uh, Hiyori Iki. Uh, just a normal sort of middle school student who happens to come across him and decides, you know what? No, like you can't like get hit by this bus. I'm going to save you. Jumps in and she gets hit. However, she doesn't die. She becomes a kind of like a slight ghost. She slips in and out of her body. So she kind of exists in two parallel worlds. One, which is the near shore where humans reside and the far shore where demons and human souls have moved on to. So she kind of like just transfers between the two. Um, throughout this whole sort of story, she essentially uh, tasks Yato to essentially turn her back into a human uh, because he's a god, but he doesn't really have that kind of power. So he just has her like sticking around because he makes a promise that she's going to become human again. Uh, now, as part of his sort of repertoire of skills, he also has a weapon, which is his regalia. Um, now, if you've ever watched Soul Eater or any show like that, his regalia is essentially a weapon that is manifested by the soul of another human being. In this particular case, it's the soul of a boy named Yukine, who had died a long time ago, and essentially it takes the form of a katana, um, or at least some, some, some sort of Japanese sword. And the, the, it, there's a lot of sort of like really sort of philosophical old tales of, of, of Japanese uh, folklore, like more like looking into the world of, of gods and deities. It's a very intricate story looking into like the, like life beyond the physical realm and sort of coming into like your sort of morality conflicts, doing things that you're supposed to do versus things you're supposed you want to do. And that's kind of the situation that Yato's in because he could easily go back to being a god of destruction, but he still wants to live by his own code, which is to be known for being charitable, being forgiving, being someone that can actually help people. Um, the action sequences are great. Animation quality is, is fantastic. And that's why it managed to get itself to pretty like, high-rated seasons and super, super popular, too. The story itself is all right. The, the openings are also fantastic, too. I think opening two is like one of the top-played uh, anime openings uh, on the uh, Spotify platform for uh, Japanese music played outside of Japan. Now, the reason why I did want to bring this up is because as much as I really like noragami and the second season i unfortunately don't see a third season coming out for it and there's a plethora of reasons as to why um so uh, in the midst of its second season being produced the manga one of the mangakas in adachi toka uh unfortunately had to take a hiatus due to their poor health and it actually was like a, that's why the noragami went on like a prolonged hiatus for almost a year almost like actually more than a year and during that time manga sales had started to slowly deplete to the point where it's it was it was hard for Bones to see Noragami as a profitable property to continue producing for. So since then, Studio A has then moved on to working on other projects like the first season of My Academia, Carol on Tuesday, Case Study of Anitas, and a few other things. Now they have essentially gone back into full circulation again. They're still releasing chapters every two weeks or every month, but. It, it is going to take a while, I think, to be able to build up steam again, considering that, you know, the season, the second season came out well over seven years ago. And so my hope is that, you know, 
you should all go check out Noragami. I gave both seasons an eight. Second season was an eight point five, but I think it's still a, a, an eight is still a really good score. In the hopes that once you finish watching the series, you would then transition to reading the manga, which I have also been doing as well, and just try our best to at least you know provide support to the Adachi Toka team and hopefully who knows they may bring it back and get a third season I see it's unlikely but overall it doesn't take away from the fact that I thoroughly enjoyed watching Noragami I thought Noragami is okay I didn't it's, even it's hard the to say it, it's 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 definitely like it, it has to really like suit your own tastes and I admit that like Noragami in the world of other shonens it, it does kind of get lost to it but, you know, there's a reason why it's super popular. And, you know, if you find certain things about the show that you like, you will stick with it. And thankfully, I did. It doesn't sit well with everybody. But, look, like, top 20 popularity, there, there's got to be something. There's got to be some merit behind it. My conclusion with Noragami is there's nothing, like, obviously bad about it. But um, at least for does me, it doesn't per- stick out for most it people, It doesn't right? stick out. That's the reason. Uh, no slight on it other than the fact that nothing sticks out. However, we'll mention the opening too. I will say that I have that on my anime uh, Spotify playlist, despite the fact that I have not watched the opening two in person ever. I just it's like the song, song a lot. Right? I really like the song. And uh, I dropped Noragami. So. Yeah, that is a good reason for you to watch the second season if you have if you really watched the first season. So yeah, that's my take on Noragami. I just realized that uh, my picks are very Western-oriented because my next recommendation, and I think I might go a little bit in-depth on it, is... I think it does take a little bit of like explanation as to what the show's about and what your take on it is anyway. So, yeah, so the, the, the floor is yours. The show is called Blast of Tempest. Uh, it is made by Studio D, uh, and Studio B made Snow White with the red hair, by the way, for both seasons. But Studio D did Blast of Tempest. It's a fall 2012 anime based on the manga of the same name by uh, Kyo Shiro Daira and um, Ren Saizaki does the art. Very nice. It's also called the Civilization Blaster. So... Uh, Is that the translation or like another name no, for No, no, that's like their English... Uh, okay. Like, like the English name is called Blast of Tempest. Uh... But the Japanese, I guess, English name. I don't know. It's really weird. Regardless, the uh, two... Good scores, actually. Yeah, the two curs, so it's 24 episodes, is a 7.94 on my anime list. Ranked 642 popularity 311 with 345k members. 545. 545. Just over half a mil. Yeah. uh, yeah, That's really good. Extremely respectable. The reason why, like, this show is... I don't think that the manga actually has official English release. So, unfortunately, there's nothing you can do about it. But that's okay because the anime is a full adaptation. This manga and show is based loosely from two Shakespearean plays. It's not something uh, you would hear from an anime podcast every day. But uh, the two plays in question is Hamlet and Tempest. Oh, okay. Where do we go from here? Because I watched the first three episodes and like it doesn't go that deep into like the Shakespearean aspects. In fact, it's actually kind of like very action focused in the first two, three episodes. But you've watched the whole thing, so you can sort of like sort of delve into like 
the mystique that is behind Blasted Tempest and how the sort of Shakespearean inspirations play along with like what you see on screen? I think that the plot is really hard to define. I also think that this anime is extremely strange and unconventional, such that Will describing it as a mystique is very, very appropriate. When I was watching this show, I thought I wasn't watching the show after the first Kerr, and then I googled it and realized that the sentiment was shared by a lot of people because the first Kerr and the second Kerr are extremely different despite having the same characters made by the same studio, yada, 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 yada. Because the first uh, Kerr, which will consume three episodes of, it's very dark, grim, apocalyptic, because the two main characters are in in modern-day Japan, but then there is this cult, and then trying to bring about this tree of Exodus that is going to destroy the world or recreate it or something. There's magic involved at some point and throughout the series. Then uh, a bunch of people die due to some disease. You know, it sounds very crazy. So like some real tragic Shakespeare shit. Yeah, also um, the sorceress, the princess, if you will, of this clan is exiled onto a deserted island. So if you know your Tempest... Shakespeare play, then you would realize that that's a nod to that. The references with Hamlet and Tempest is constant throughout the 24 episodes. Not in the beginning, though, but it becomes this very melodramatic kind of like, it's not like inserted very oddly. They integrate it very well with the dialogue. And actually, there is a lot, a lot of dialogue. Despite the fact that there are action scenes, there is more it's just, it reminds me of Monogatari and that, hey, there's a lot of action scenes in Monogatari. I was like, yeah, that, that that's true, but it's mainly known for its dialogue. And Blast of Tempest is mainly known for its dialogue. I have to give special shout outs to the music. I think the music done for this series is extremely, extremely good. Uh, and definitely accompanies the series very well. Okay. This anime is not going to be everyone's cup of tea. Right. Because the thing is, right, you mentioned that it's, it, it borrows quite like, loosely, heavily, in, in some capacity of the two Shakespeare plays, Hamlet and Tempest. So would you say that you would have needed like prior knowledge of those two plays to fully enjoy Plus Tempest? Or do you think it's just like it's not necessary, but it does help? It definitely increases your enjoyment of it. I've not consumed Tempest. I have read Hamlet because of school Mm -hmm. and i also will say then throughout the anime they uh sort of give you uh, quite a bit of knowledge about the two plays and obviously they quote the two plays okay the first cur and the second cur is extremely different because yeah the second cur is so wildly light-hearted comedic rom-com in a way still has like apocalyptic stuff too but I, I can't really get into it because obviously it spoils stuff. But it's like, but you you know when the tone changes, right? It's like it's very apparent. It's extremely apparent because uh, it is. I mean, not only does the opening and ED change, like, obviously, literally but, light and night and day. But it is, it's literally night and day. And this is the part that it gets very crazy because some people think it's very pretentious. 
and I understand that sentiment. But um, when it loops onto itself, when it references itself, when it gets very meta, and you have to analyze it from an outside perspective in a way, you have to treat the first cur and second cur with different expectations, such that if you were expecting a very grim, slow, dark, sci-fi fantasy anime, you will get that for the first cur, but then you won't get that for the second cur. But I think the second cur is not bad at all. It's just completely different. And um, yeah, I don't think that just sits well with a lot of people with that huge, huge tonal shift. Yeah, so just based on it, it sounds... It's, it's not really criticism point it's more just like these are definitely observations that from you like you can sort of decipher this is probably why it's not everyone's cup of tea yes i also feel that of all the shows that i recommended this one is the one that is the most memorable not necessarily the best but it's the one that you will probably have conversations and debates with people who watched it and consumed it but other than that like it gets, you know, it's like one of those conversation, like, you can go hours and hours, potentially. Well, it's kind of like how you mentioned, like, when you were discussing uh, Haibana Reme, right? Oh, yeah, exactly, right? Like, Haibana Reme, the themes and the conversation can go on and on, but the anime, like, it goes beyond the anime itself. So, if you want something a bit different, if you want something very unconventional, but still produced at an extremely high quality, I thoroughly recommend Blast of Tempest. I gave... The first cur a nine, the second cur an eight. So then, I ended up giving it an eight point five, but I rounded it down to eight. Yeah, still a very good time. Thoroughly enjoyed it, and it's a show that not everyone will like, and it's not a show that everyone will think of, but they should just give it a try. It's, it's worth trying out. Yeah. Right. Okay. Now, as mentioned in the previous section, when we we're talking about the current big three of Bones, one of the shows that uh, I wanted to focus on. Uh, right, this was a really love it a lot. Is Bungo Stray Dogs? So this was produced by Studio D. Uh, original source being a manga written by Kafka Asagiri, and published in English by Yen Press. What a so, name! I know, right? That's a Kafka. Fuck. <clears throat> so actually, it's it, it's it, it's a it's a great time, really. And there's a lot of sort of um, literary quips uh, throughout the whole Bungo Stray Dogs universe. Uh, so it's currently got three seasons, two of which came out in uh, the year 2016, one in spring, followed by fall. And then there was about a three-year gap with the third season uh, being in uh, spring 2019. And then the latest season, fourth season, is expected to come out this year. Now, there hasn't been a confirmed date for it, but... like. That, that's why I wanted to talk about it. Because... No, Will, uh, you're forgetting a very, very important... I'm going to go over that <laughs> just in a minute because I knew you were going to bring that up. Uh, now, generally, it's 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 very, very popular, like incredibly popular, well over a million members for its first season and subsequently like, several hundred thousand for the other ones. Uh, average score being in like the low to like sort of mid uh, eights. 7.82 for the first season, followed by 8.2, and then 8.21. So it, it does progressively get better and better i think i kind of rate it in the same way too with the first being eight and then the subsequent seasons being a nine uh now there technically is another season of bungo stray dogs but this one is bungo stray dogs one which is kind of like a chibi offshoot of the main series which i i didn't really care for like chibi stuff is cute but it's really not all that important i don't think you need to watch it but if you did just want more 
don't go straight out stuff, then yeah, sure, whatever. So what the story is about, it's um, essentially it's following a detective agency that's based in Yokohama. So like southern, uh, the, the southeast of China. It's, it's like maybe an hour or two. Uh, south of uh, Tokyo, uh, and it follows. <laughs> so this is going to take a little while to explain because the characters themselves are all based on real life people, and more specifically, uh, we're talking about people who are in literature. So like poets, writers, journalists, um, academics, all of them exist either in the Japanese world or the Western world. Um, so for example, the main character himself is uh, Atsushi Nakajima. Uh, who actually is a real-life uh, writer. So he's more sort of like writing uh, more self-introspective works. Um, so the real person wrote, you know, The Moon Over the Mountain, Light, Wind, and Dreams, and other stuff that is like published in, uh, in many Japanese textbooks. Uh, so he himself, as in like the character within Bungo Street Dogs, is like a teenager who used to be like, you know, living in an orphanage, but then his caretakers decided, you know what, you're a piece of shit. We're throwing you out because you're worthless. Uh, and then since then, he's sort of been like fighting this internal trauma, uh, trying to find a reason to live. Uh, and then, you know, as he's you know, just washed up on the beach, he finds someone named Osamu Dazai. Now, this is a very important name because Osamu Dazai is also a real life author uh, known for his very, very important book, No Longer Human. Um, I do suggest a trigger warning, of course, because No Longer Human is a very, very autobiographical book and is very transparent in terms of the life of Osamu Dazai. Uh, there also is a manga adaptation of it as well, just as dark and, and depressing. Um, so the character himself, again, the trigger warning, tries to commit the S word uh, because he's always trying to sort of understand uh, the the competitions of of a peaceful death usually by the hands of a beautiful woman uh the character himself is very carefree relaxed but he's actually incredibly smart and skillful he also has an ability which is actually based off the name that osamu dazai wrote for his book no longer human in which he allows himself to be able to nullify any supernatural ability by touch which is like one of the most powerful things you can do being able to actually completely eliminate someone's supernatural ability now atsushi himself then also awakens his own ability which he turns into a powerful white tiger which further enhances his physical abilities and he uses that to essentially try and gain more confidence try to achieve that pure heart that he always looked for uh within the agency itself there's Lots of other characters like Dopo Kunikuda, uh, Rampo Odogawa, Junichiro Tanizaki. All these are Japanese playwrights, writers, poets, authors. Uh, but then you, as you start developing the world, you do come across uh, other writers from overseas. There's actually Edgar Allan Poe exists in Bingo Straight Dogs. Um, there's also, I believe, um, what's his name? Oh, yeah. Uh, Francis Fitzgerald, Lucy Montgomery, uh, John Steinbeck, H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, Mark Twain. These are all characters within Bungo Stray Dogs. Uh, the detective agency is tasked with essentially fighting against the Port Mafia, which is a group that is essentially a group of evildoers trying to take over uh, the city of Yokohama and then eventually all of Japan. And 
the, the the battles of like supernatural abilities, quick thinking, a lot of like detective work. It's a good mishmash of every genre. And again, because it's bones, the fight scenes are incredible. It's 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 definitely very eye catching, very striking. Uh, some very memorable characters as well. Uh, one of which is the the, the healer of the group, uh, which is like you can't. Like, I, I won't let you die. Uh, just a quick spoiler. Uh, her ability is to heal people, but she can only heal people who are near death. So what happens if you get like a bruise or like a cut? She can't heal you. So what she'll do is she'll beat the shit out of you until you're about to die <laughs> and then heal you. So it's a very sort of masochistic sadist kind of way of approaching, you know, the medical sciences. It, it's 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 so fucking weird. Uh, but there's a lot to like about the series. Um, I, I can't wait for season four. Uh, it's been a long time. It's been three years, much like how we've been waiting for the third season of Mob Psycho 100. I think actually both of them came out in the same year. They're they're previous seasons and then will be coming out around the same time this year so there's a lot to look forward to for bones um here specifically i would like everybody to check out bungo stray dogs very very excited for season four so uh i have not checked out bungo stray dogs i probably should um but i have to say i'm reading the wikipedia entry for no longer human it is oh boy it's fucked up it's really sad like i'm I didn't even I'm just reading like the very dry summary and even then I'm just like this is oh my god okay anyways um Bungo Straight Dog should be a good time right it's oh no it's 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 very different from Dazai's actual works uh but it's it, it's just it's nice. It's, I wouldn't say it's clever. It's definitely like a nice use of all these playwrights and authors names uh to name the characters but there's a lot of sort of like literature references there's a lot of like philosophies that go into the story as well um because it, it's very introspective at times too because you know, you're not always just look because whenever you're watching like a shonen most of the time you're very focused on the action but much like for example if we talk like naruto you kind of want to go into the mindset of sasuke and his clan and all that you want to see like the sort of darker like, inner side of what makes a villain what makes a a dark hero like an anti-hero and all that it's and and bungo stray dogs is one of those kind of series it's really well done and i've said it already i'm super excited for season four to come out this year a nice segue towards western literature is uh sherlock holmes which is basically the premise for my next recommendation which is gothic which is based off of the light novel of the same name by Kazuki Sakuraba and uh, Hinata Takeda is does the art for it. It's a winter 2011 anime. It is made by Studio A of Studio Bones. The mouse stats is 8.07, so it's pretty darn that, good. That's very good, yeah. And the the ranking is four seven eight, and the popularity is. 353 so it's an outstanding in terms of stats just under half a million for members like just over 485 mil 485,000 it takes place during the Victorian era and it is just about Sherlock Holmes and Watson except in this case Watson is a exchange student from Japan to a fictitious country in Europe which is where the anime takes place and Sherlock is a, a goth Lolita. A goth Lolita with blonde hair that looks like a porcelain doll kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, That's it, right? That 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 really is it. Uh, okay. So 
I think that this show is very good, as it comes to no surprise based off of the mouse score I just said. Like it's well, it's one of those shows where like when you see the poster of it, you know exactly what you're getting. It is exactly as advertised, and um, I wouldn't say it does anything crazy or like left field or unexpected. But the mystery element is throughout the whole series uh, of Victoria basically is like she just goes around solving stuff. And Kujo, which is the Watson Japanese guy, goes around sort of like helping her. And uh, the two curs are very, very – I never felt bored. I was thoroughly entertained with every episode. I would not say that the mystery elements, when they reveal it to be – very um solid or convincing so to speak but it's, it's like, not it's more like for entertainment purposes exactly than actually like oh huzzah like i've i've solved the mystery that kind of thing yeah it's like, i wouldn't call the mystery smart but i'll call the mystery like it's still very good when they reveal it and it's just like this awesome play and then it's like a play that you know it plays out like you won't be like oh I don't. You don't need to think about the intricacies or the plot holes, but it's a fine time. It does go the scale of it of the mystery and the conspiracies do go really high towards the end of the series. Uh, but all in all, it was a great time, and I would consider it a complete adaptation because the ending is extremely conclusive. And uh, the, again, like another point of like praise for it too. It's like despite it being a ten-year-old anime, it it looks great. It, phenomenal it looks, it looks good yeah good point well no no it really it does like if you were to show this to me and say hey it's made in 2019 i'll be like yeah why not yeah of course um this show is it's just a fun time and um it's just like an eight out of ten but a very very solid eight out of ten no qualms whatsoever yeah, I think so far, like a lot of the stuff that we have been recommending have come up within the last ten years, but none of them were like that. Well, actually, no, one of them is very recent, being in 2019, but the others are like early 2010s, mid 2010s, and they still hold up like the presentation of like a very well done animation, and like that's just the pedigree that Bones has. Yeah, spoiler alert: Studio Bones is a rock solid animation studio they do good work and they will continue to do good work right yeah i i'm i i like bones it's we forget that bones has been around for so long but like they've been consistent with the quality which is something that like you unfortunately don't really see with that many studios um so it's good to see that you know for them they hold true to like what they initially set themselves out to do which is to produce some very high quality animation so it's good that gossip is another one in that catalog of a really well done anime that is entertaining enough for people to check out. Yeah, and stands the test of time for sure. Yeah. Um, now this one is. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, this one's gonna be a fun one because it is an incredibly messy show. Um, the show here specifically is Kekai Sensen or Blood Blockade Battlefront, with the second season being called uh, Blood Blockade Battlefront and Beyond. A lot of say that literature. Say that ten times real fast. I'm not going to do that. Um, so it's written by Yasuhiro Naitao. Um, so he actually kind of like uh, rewritten his name. So it is actually like you know written as N I G H T O W, which is not a standard spelling for Japanese last names, but he you know it's it's still phonetically the same. Uh, so the source uh, is is a manga. And, uh, you know, it's actually still serializing. The, more specifically, the sequel of Blood, 
Blood Blockade Battlefront, uh, the sequel being called Back to Back, um, published by Suresha, and the English publisher is uh, Dark Horse Comics. Wow, there's a lot of it's really it's a lot of tongue twisters there. Uh, so it has two seasons, as mentioned, but they're all produced by different studios. So season one, which came out in spring 2015, was done in conjunction uh, Studio A and Studio C, with the second season uh, coming out in fall 2017, done by Studio B. You see, that's the real tragedy. Uh, Studio B did not do season one. That's the real tragedy here. Oh, I mean, yeah. If it was B, 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 B all the way through, then it would be like... like oh my God. Yeah. So Malstats, here's the thing. The, the, the Malstats, I actually kind of feel that they're a little like underrepresenting like how good uh, BBB is. So 7.62 for the first season, 7.82 for the second season. Uh, 175 popularity, well over 750,000 members. It it, it 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 is very very popular, but the score itself doesn't fully rec- like represent like how good this series is. So the series is it, it focuses on this. Well, it, it's, it, it's New York. It, right? it is Manhattan, it, it, New York, one hundred percent. Yeah, and it follows this like what happens is like it, it basically like ethereal and like outer uh, outer space beings then like essentially come in and invade the world of uh, new york so it's 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 basically covered by a shroud like a full cloud that encompasses the whole city of new york, or at least like i think it's just manhattan just yes. the island of manhattan yes everything outside the other boroughs are kind of like left untouched uh now the center itself uh where the the shroud is uh essentially centering uh is well called hell salem's lot uh, formerly known as New York City, uh, and within this shroud itself, a lot of like monsters, aliens, magic, and just unexplainable shit happens. So imagine kind of like it's like Men in Black, where you just have like aliens and shit immersing into regular life. I mean, you could be eating like alien bug burgers. You might have like weird centipedes like working alongside like a, a train conductor. Uh, it's it, it's just become everyday life. Yeah, uh, it's a melting pot, quite literally. I mean, like it, 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 it's not too like crazy to say that it, in terms of how it looks, it's not that different from Men in Black. Um, now, within the organization as well, it, it's just like how there is like a Men in Black organization. Uh, there's also a crime fighting organization within this Hell Salem's Lot called Libra, uh, and what they do is they essentially combat against like paranormal me- uh, events. Uh, whether it's monsters taking over, whether it's just like underground crime of like you know human trafficking or um, you know uh, weapons trafficking and all that, it's um it's it's a really really messy show though. And like when I mean messy though, I mean it in mostly a good way because because it, it's it's very episodic. Yeah, a lot of stuff is very much contained within each episode as you watch, but there is sort of like a main plot that connects all of them together because no matter what you're still sort of stuck within this world of hell salem's lot where it's just basically humanity fighting against or working with the monsters and aliens that inhabits this fictitious new york city you uh so libra the organization for example has uh, a furry basically as your captain yeah uh your is, vice captain remember his name leo no, Leo is the 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 main kid, the one with the the weird eyes, oh, the, eyes of, the eyes of God. No, uh, it's Cla- 
Klasse uh, von Leinhetzle. Oh my god. Yeah, or just Klaus. So uh, he's, he's, a, he's a lion furry. Yeah. You get a werewolf that is actually not a wolf, but she is classified as a werewolf. Yep. You get a. Uh, what, what's the fish people called? Uh, Murdoch? Not Mur. Murlocs. 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 Yeah. So it's like this huge mixture of uh, different races, literally, like not just human beings, but otherworldly beings. And it's just crazy because, for example, this city goes through so much reconstruction and destruction. It's phenomenally, it's almost hilarious in the the way that uh, it is done. And it's so bombastic. I really like the energy and the look. Also, again, shout outs to the soundtrack. Oh, Phenomenal. It's a, it's, it's a good soundtrack. Jazzy yeah. kind of. It's just great. Uh, the, the blood part that comes into it is that all these characters essentially have um, techniques in blood art, which is essentially the manipulation of blood to be able to either exert physical presence or manifest specific weapons or control enemies. Um, it's all very creative. Very, very creative. It's not the same in like like using curse powers and all that. I mean, you can see some similarities, but it's very distinct in terms of how they manipulate the use of blood and how they create supernatural powers. Uh, there, there is one very specific scene um, that Jason knows exactly what I'm talking about involving a game of chess. Uh, oh, that, my God. That is a very, very fun episode. So good. And uh, another thing that I really like about this series is that it's just nonstop fun, basically, because... For example, the the moves, the like the super moves, I guess you would say that these characters do, they announce it, and the anime literally uses it as text, like shows up to your screens, like, and then they they show the name, and then in season two they go one step further and it becomes meta, and it's just like it's very in your face. It's so crazy, and it's it is literally bonkers it is animaniacs almost level of absurdity it it does take a little bit of time getting used to but once you're sold in on its episodic format it's kind of crazy appeal and just over the top aesthetics it, it's it's a very very fun time i think it's it's would you say it's slept on because it's not 100 percent. it's, it's it, not as popular as you think i mean to be fair though like in, con- in combination, over a million members following both seasons. There's a lot of people who already know about it, but I think like the rating itself, it 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 could do with a couple extra decimals. Now, the season one, I thought it was a seven out of ten. The reason why is because the episodic nature that I would say BBB is extremely well suited and well implemented. There is the overarching story in season one which is very important for season two because they elaborate on it. But the overarching plot actually, to me, is the weakest part. Yeah. And season two goes into this, I mean, standalone complex has this thing where each episode talks about a different thing. or But, but you know what the core concept is because you've seen it before. Exactly. It's like, right? oh, let's focus on this person. Let's focus on that person. And each of their stories not only adds to that character, but adds to the overall like lore of that universe. It's just great. It's a good time. I, I highly recommend it. I think I gave both episodes, both seasons, eight. Though I, I do share the same sentiments about season one. But um, I, the, the plot was not bad, the first the first one. It's it's, it's definitely worth watching that, that for the plot itself. But really, you should just enjoy how fucking like, batshit insane 
the 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 fight sequences and the animation quality is and the humor is just it's, really it's a, crazy. It's, it's a good t- like like you liked Men in Black. This is literally anime Men in Black. Right. So you got Shakespearean plays. You got Sherlock Holmes. You got Men in Black. You got Snow White. Kind of. Yeah. Now we're gonna go into for you. This is different because we so far have been talking about mostly TV series, right? Whether it's one, two, three, however many curves. This time around, though, your next recommendation is actually a movie that came out very, very recently. Josie the Tiger and the Fish is the name of my next recommendation. It is based off of the novel and manga of the same name by Nao Imoto and uh, the art, sorry. And Seiko Tanabe does the story. Jose the Tiger and the Fish is extremely highly rated. It is done by Studio D of Studio Bones. Let's just the, take a moment to like, absorb the mal stats too, because these are actually really fucking insane. 8.51, so it means it's ranked 107, and the popularity is 804, despite having only a member uh, count of 267,000 members. So, this movie was released on Christmas of 2020 in Japan and obviously released elsewhere throughout the world thereafter. This... Mm, I'm going to have to rely on you on this because I haven't watched a single minute of Josie. Unfortunately, my comparison, Will has not watched this other movie called Ride Your Wave. Okay, by, which I know, uh, yeah. Uh, it is very... Um, it's a good movie, but... I have no idea why it's ranked so high. It is executed very well because it talks about a girl who is bound to a wheelchair and about a guy who is basically her caretaker. And then they sort of develop some sort of relationship. And it talks about, you know, disability. It talks about, you know, despair and hope being dashed and trying to find new life out of a bad situation or out of tragedy essentially the story beats and the execution is very well done but nothing that you know stands out to me it does look phenomenal do you, do you think that's the reason why it's so hot because like, 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 like of course you know with a movie you're gonna have to expect movie level production and like i'll be one of the first to admit josie the tiger and the fish looks incredibly beautiful is like of all the shows that I've watched by Studio Bones, this one is by far the most dazzling and the most colorful and the most vibrant. Exactly to, uh, akin to Ride Your Wave, if you have watched that movie, it, the feel and the 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 color palette is primo stuff. So that's the visual aspect, right? The most salient like aspect of uh of this movie, but when it comes to like the meat and bones, right? I mean, again, it's a bones studio thing. So there's got to be other things besides it being visually spectacular that carry it, right? So you mentioned that you kind of have would would, it, would you say it's an indifference to the plot? Yeah. Mm. Uh it's you could even predict how the story would go after maybe half an hour of watching it. But I walked out of, not walked out, you would walk after you consume the film, you'd be like, wow, film's very good. But then that's about it. The thing is, like, whenever we give, like, eights and sevens to an extent as well, it's like you you had a good time, 
but it may not necessarily be the most memorable thing. Like when you like you said, like when we leave a studio or we leave like a movie theater and we watched something, sometimes it's like, oh, you dude, that was a really good scene, blah blah blah. But then months down the road, you may not really necessarily bring it up in conversation again. But for that moment, you would be like at least gushing over certain aspects like the visuals like the character designs and all that like do you feel like that's what Josie is like in the moment you can acknowledge how beautiful it is but beyond that it doesn't necessarily carry much more conversation I think the reason why it is so highly rated and so popular is because it is very accessible in terms of the topic the character developments the aesthetics the way the story develops over time it is beat by beat your very typical movie but it is really i i cannot stress this enough that the production quality is really well done and look i also think finally it is a very good entry point for anyone who doesn't watch a lot of anime but you want to sort of get someone into anime this is a movie that is very easily recommendable to someone that is not necessarily very receptive to anime even. Right. It's like Bell then, right? Absolutely. In fact, that was actually well, actually wow, yeah. I would say that's the exact same thing. Cuz Bell like visually and like from a music standpoint is like phenomenal, but like you could tell where the plot was going and so therefore it's not like oh like the the plot is like really deep and intricate. It's like no, it it literally is a Beauty and the Beast story, but it looks and sounds spectacular. But in defense of Bell, I think Bell is a better movie. Yeah. Okay. It, it, but also probably because like it's. Do you think it's just easier to consume? It's easier for people to, to follow along. Or just uh, it, or just like like easy and simple. It is just a, a bit better. It's just a salt. Both are solid entries, but one has a more distinct identity with uh, Bell being very rooted in Beauty and the Beast and also the musical element to it. Whereas Josie is standard fare, but done at an extremely high competence level. Yeah, it's a shame that the score for Bell isn't as high. I think it's like below an eight, like 7.8, 7.9, something like that. It's a yeah. shame, but I it, mean, it, should, it deserves some more luck. But, but again, the focus here is still very much Josie. Yeah, so. I, I really like Josie a lot. I also think that the fact that if you consume a lot of anime like Will and I do, you will not dismiss this movie, but you will maybe not have that memorable of an impact compared to someone who doesn't watch that much anime. But it is a very, very good movie with a very solid entry point for people who are not familiar with anime. Right. Now we're going to go into the past, like way beyond what we've already been discussing. We're actually going to go into the mid 2000s. Um, I think your other pro- your, your other one is also like somewhere mid to late 2000s. Um and this is a classic. It's actually like very much a there's a, there's a huge cult following. Can I say cult following? It's probably more a hit than anything. Uh, the show in particular I'm talking about here is Uran High School Host Club. Now I wouldn't have expected myself to watch this. It would actually be more akin to the stuff that Jason watches because it's well in general the the tags for it are like shoujo, reverse harem, romance, comedy, drama. Very fluffy at times, very comedic at times. Um, so this was written by uh, Bisco Hattori, published by Hakusensha, and it's got several different English publishers. Um, for Australia, it's published by Batman Entertainment, Viz Media in North America, and Chuang Yi uh, for Singapore. 
So the series debuted in spring of 2006. It's not a full adaptation. I think it covers one-third of the overall uh, manga series. Um, it, it still ran way beyond uh, once the anime ended. But, you know, if you watched the anime as is, it ends very conclusively. So, yes, you can always continue to read more of the manga, but I'll explain why there's a little bit of a difference between watching it and reading it. Uh, Score-wise, 8.17, ranked 354, uh, popularity of 113 with just under 1 million members. So, hugely popular and very, very, very well done in terms of the score. Now, of course, there is you know some things that hold it back in terms of it being quite old it's still very much like you can still watch it in high def because it's upscaled but it's done in like the old sort of like screen formats rather than being like 16 by 9 it's a 4 by 3 so like old crt tv kind of format what you would expect for something that came out in the mid 2000s uh follows the story of a uh, a young girl named uh well young student named how uh and she essentially goes into the Oran High School, which is a very, very exclusive, high society, uh, very expensive high school. A very posh. Everybody is like the heir or like the next in line for um, a large oil company, huge financial institutions. Uh, they might have like hands in like trading of fine arts and, and artifacts uh, all throughout Japan. Basically, hoity-toity, rich, posh kids. Uh, but Haruhi herself is not one of those kids. In fact, she actually got into the program uh, on an honors basis. She did well on the entry exam and therefore has like some sort of scholarship into uh, the Oran High School. Now, one day, she happens to come upon the host club within Oran High School. And when talking to the members there, she accidentally knocks over a vase or vase, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, of course... Small mistake. Really, really sorry. I'll clean it up and I'll pay you back for it. Okay, sure. Um, just pay us back eight hundred thousand yen. Wait, no, no. It's eight million yen. Eight million yen because it, it it equates to eight hundred eighty thousand U.S. dollars. Now, to a student, any student really, that's a lot of fucking money, and she has no way of being able to pay that back because she's already on on a scholarship of school. She doesn't pay those kinds of like school fees. So how the hell is she going to pay it back? Well. The president of the host club said, well, you've got the physique. You've got the looks for it. Tell you what, you're going to be a host. We're going to make you one of our premier hosts, and you can work off your debt. As a dude. Yeah, that's where the sort of like little, little twist is. Now, when she first entered the host club, she was wearing sort of like, you know, long baggy clothes, actually wearing the trousers as opposed to wearing the standard uh, skirt or dress um, that female students would wear. And so a lot of the members, actually all the members in the host club mistook her uh, as a boy. But it, she's kind of got that androgynous sort of like like in between like physique. Like she's a Tom. Yeah tomboy just with like short hair as well um so it was very easy for a lot of people to mistake her as a boy and then only throughout the series they find out she's actually a girl not a dude um the the the, the reason why you have all these different tags is because the the story itself is actually more of a, a parody a very meta parody on the tropes that exist within shoujo within verse harems harems as well uh, and romance so and, and very specifically as well some a lot of yaoi stuff as well because um there's a very specific pair of twins who are very close yep 
Yeah. Pretty so boys doing pretty things. He, in they, this case. They, they even like very much say it out loud too. It's like we know you 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 lusty lewd motherfuckers are really down with two boys, two pretty boys making love to each other, especially when they're twin brothers. So very much personally attacking all the people who are into you know Yaoi twin cest subcategories yeah. of manga and oh, anime. Did we fail to mention that the reason why they call it Oran High School Host Club is because it's basically a host bar it is that's the other thing too so it's essentially a host bar but it's like help us like a club activity and the female students of or high school can go and enjoy tea and cakes and mingle with the hosts so there's different kinds of hosts there's the the the, the twin twinks uh there's the the beautiful blonde there is the the studious you know very very well-to-do manager of the of, of the host club and then there's the the lolly the lolly the, 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 the shota the yeah, Shota there you of the go. group. There you go. Yeah, got to be very specific. It's very, not, very specific. Right. Um, so it's it's actually... At first, I I never would have thought that I would actually watch and enjoy this. But it, it's actually... It, it's very fun. I meta. watched it and dropped it halfway. So I really liked it. I mean, it, it was just fun to see like how meta and fourth wall breaking the series is. Because it's very much like... I know that you guys like reverse harems. I know you like boys fucking each other so we're gonna tell you that this is what we're going to do and it's just like very in your face with it too but but it's quite pg right it's very pg there's nothing like risque or lewd about it it's actually but the things they say exactly it's it it, it, it's very self-aware of what it's trying to be and i think it does it very very well um because it's 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 very much like kind of like a commentary of what the popular trends were during the 2000s because it's um well, I think it was like um, the, the term uh, Fujoshi, which yes. is like rotten girls who try and ship boys together and like a lot like of people, BL a lot, stuff. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people kind of like would coin that um, or high school host club was like one of the, the forefronts of that particular subgenre uh, because it basically like not really shits on it, but like shines a light on like we know y'all like pervs want to check this shit out uh and they, they they don't they don't pull any punches it's 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 a very fun time like and it, it rather than like really focusing on like the romance and the gender identities and all that like even bisco like herself like came out uh three years ago she was doing like a, a an interview and said that like actually originally i wanted to make haruhi the main character a boy but then after talking to her editor her editor said actually why don't you make her a girl but then make her androgynous and let's see how that goes. And it turned out to be a really fucking smart move because then it's like, it, it leaves you questioning a lot of things with terms of like the, the character dynamics and relationships. But at the same time, it's also very apparent that like, no, dude, like I'm doing this to make fun of this particular genre, this particular trope. And the fact that you like it means that it's working. It's, it's a fun time. Yeah. I, gave, I gave it a nine. I mean, I, I think I will <laughs> give it a second shot based off of what you have told me. Um, well, there, let's there, talk. There is, about- however, a little little criticism. I would say I think it's just down to the fact that it came out like seventeen years ago. The voice acting quality is not so much the voice acting itself. The quality is a little bit. Eh. Can you we can, just you can, can we tell just say the OP is so of that era? So shortly before Oran High School Host Cup debut, there was also a very particular song called "Skater Boy" by Errol oh, Levine that came out yes. the year of, or even the a couple months before that. The opening. Of Orange High School Host Club is exactly the same. If you like Avril, it's it, it's it's basically a blast for the past. I, I there there's some for some reason that didn't like the opening. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Is this a fucking fun opening? It's a good time. Please check it out. All right. Well, I think um, I'm not gonna 
talk about my last recommendation, and you can talk about. Ooh, why not? Urica Seven, because we're we're running low. Nah, we're well. It's up to you. Uh, we can briefly go over if you want. Um, I'll just quickly go over mine as well because it is actually a very very long series. It's still within the mid two thousands. Um, as mentioned, Studio A was very much focused on a series called Urica Seven. Now, Urica Seven. No, no, Eureka Seven. Eureka 7, Erica 7, I don't fucking know. They pronounce it as Erica. So, anyways, it was done in conjunction with Studio A and Studio B. And unlike the previous uh, series, which are done by, you know, edita- adapting mangas, novels, this one is a pure original. It was actually kind of created as a multimedia project because they wanted to create games and, and, and merchandise to go alongside with Erica 7. And some of them were well received, some of them not so much. Um, but, um, yeah, it came out in. Spring 2015, uh, score of 8.07, uh, mid 400s for both ranking and uh, the popularity. It is a very long series, though. 50 episodes, well over four curves. It's it's a very, very long investment. But it's also, I'd say out of the five that I've talked about, the one that I was the most surprised by. Because it is very much a similar formula to your typical shonen slash mecha series where you have a kid who's rambunctious and just trying to like show that he's more like mature than he really is. But every step of the way, he's just some kid who doesn't know how real life works. Uh, the kid's name is uh, Renton Thurston. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Renton. Renton! Uh, and he is basically... Oh, this is the thing. It's about mechas. That can surf. That's that's uh, that's a stick there, yeah. Yo, it's ride actually, the waves. Exactly. They literally, literally, they say they ride waves in this fucking universe because they create these astral projections and these 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 streams of energy that once you see, if you have the ability to see, you can surf them. So and they it, audio surf. Yeah, it's it's what's that game? Which is audio like, surf. That's it. Yeah, pretty much that. Yeah. Um, and what's great about this series as well is. It it knows exactly what it is. It's very much like a, a growth story where the kid, every cur slowly grows up. He is a annoying piece of shit in the first cur, less annoying in the second cur, very depressed in the third cur, and then you finally see him become a man in the fourth cur. The journey is slow. It is, however, rewarding. Um, the part of the story is is that there is an ongoing war between two different nations and a resistance group, uh, and they essentially have to essentially try and find peace because uh, the, 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 the military group itself is trying to defeat this group of uh, beings, life, these life forms called the Scub Coral. Uh, they were like outer space beings that came to Earth, inhabited, went dormant for a while, and then the humans decide they're going to eliminate them. However, within society, there are also scup corals that take on human form such as Erica, who is the titular character and the girl and soon to be love interest because it's very very clear from the beginning that um renton wants to fuck her they keep <laughs> no pulls no punch like straight up says i am going to wife this woman yo what it's actually like it's, it's just straight up it's a lot that's i think it's, it's it's very very like deliberate in your face with a lot of things and it doesn't necessarily like sugarcoat stuff because it, it talks to you about the realities of war what it means to be on the front lines of a resistance or a military group um it's it's a fantastic show it's long but it's really really entertaining and one thing i do want to make note of is that the music 
is fucking insane because it's, it's just techno and house music all the way through. In fact, one of the powers of the resistance group in order to be able to uh, basically like fragment uh, audio signals of the of the military is to blast techno on their subwoofers and disrupt airwaves so that they can have their mechas slip through enemy lines. It's it's fucking dumb, okay. but it actually fucking works. They, well, like, like you said, they audio surf. Yeah. So it is Jet Set Radio yes. plus yes. Uh, Gundam. It, it, boom, there you go. There you go. It's, it's fucking, it's so fun. And like, what's great as well is there are DJs and music producers that exist within the show itself. It's so fucking crazy. I just really like that. Not to mention as well, the first opening, uh, which is done by Flo. Yo. Great. So good. Hey, do you like Coke Geass? Yeah, it's actually like this thing. It, colors, it, if you like colors, it's same vibes. Unfortunately, the openings do kind of get a little shit later on. But, uh, dude, like, Please watch Erica 7. It's not hard to find. I know it's a long journey. 50 episodes is a long time. But it is a really, really fun. Like, I, I thought for a minute it was like, it's just the inner child really enjoying it. No. They actually go through some really dark and real topics later on that like no kid would be able to sort of like sit down and process. Like As an adult, I'm like, wow. this actually it, There's a lot of weights to this too. So never do. Like, please check out Erica 7. Erica 7 is a fun time. Especially if you love techno and house music. Well, uh, that sounds great, to be honest. No, uh, no honestly. like You the, wanted to talk about Sword of the Stranger, right? You want to just quickly just say you, you know, your two cents on it? Uh, Sword of the Stranger is a samurai movie anime original that premiered a long, long time ago. Uh, to be precise, it premiered in uh, 2007. It is made by Studio B of Studio Bones and has a mouse score of 8.28, meaning it has a ranking of 254, popularity 620. So um, 300K members. So not that many members. Um, it's still still good. It's definitely not obscure, right? Yeah. Um, the movie is very, very well known for its sword play. And... I will say that in terms of swordplay anime slash movies, it is the best. That's about all I can say that is worth noting about you've this. You've mentioned that the plot itself is it's very meh, but I mean it's not as you as you correctly like said to me, like it's not supposed to be very deep. The storyline is very simple about a boy that needs to go from point A to point B and being chased by a bunch of people. Lone samurai decides to take on a job that is more and worse than he expected. and But then because of honor and sympathy and his tragic backstory, he decides to help the boy and just basically wreck shit with his sword. But the thing with these kind of movies, and even shows as well, is that there's always going to be a limit to the appeal based on like the quote-unquote focus the best thing that carries your movie that carries your series and it's it's clear that like the sword fighting the the fight animations are done really well but like the other stuff on the other hand is kind of what drags it down so even if like the main focus is great you still want to look at everything as a complete parcel and unfortunately it kind of falls short on delivering those aspects right i think it falls short however sword play as i mentioned is fantastic the choreography of the sword fighting or the weapon usage is like 
it looks straight out of like those kung fu movies, you know. It, it's very well done, extremely clean, and it just looks great in turn when they go into action scenes. Now, Will and I are knows Chinese, and this <laughs> movie has Chinese elements in it. In that, the adversaries are from China. Now. The problem that I have is not about the inclusion of China or the villainous role that they play or whatever. In fact, that's not my problem. The problem is the Chinese in this movie is pretty bad. And I know that is a criticism that is mainly only would be noticed by people who know Chinese, but it was real bad. Well, it's the same way whenever you, like, for example, with, like, Great Pretender... And the main characters are speaking English, right? right. It's it's it is. Would you say it's it's kind of like that? Like you know that you're speaking proper English, but the delivery, unfortunately, is not great. Well, it's because I think it's mainly I they're not they're not native speakers. Exactly. Right? The there are Chinese speakers, and their Chinese is fine. It's normal. And then you get the Japanese voice actors who have to converse partially in Chinese because there's like the intermediary, and that's like I had to rewind, listen rewind listen to be like oh i know what they said what are the words and they might as well not have said anything well i mean look there's there's definitely an appeal that people will 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 vibe with right this is the nitpicking of the chinese is like something that is mainly exclusive to people who understand chinese so if you enjoy anime in general and don't know any chinese it's 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 unnoticeable for me, it was a huge distraction. And also when you couple in with the story not being very anything really, uh, at least the action scene for the last 30 minutes was pretty dope. A lot of swords and weapons, a lot of people dying, a lot of blood. And that's probably the best part of it, right? So, I would say it, arguably it's the only part. It so- sounds like it's like, if, if you are just focused on the swordplay, you get what you want. But, and more. But then... like. If you want to try and like see other aspects of it, it falls short. But it's still like all all in all like a good movie, right? It's a good movie. It's just you know. All right. Well, there you go. We, this is the uh, the the wrap up in terms of the recommendations for the Bones Studio anime and movies that we want everybody to check out in some capacity or in all of its capacity. I really like Studio Bones. Watching all of these shows and recommending them have only solidified my belief that. Bones as an animation studio is phenomenal. And one of the most consistent as well in terms of delivering stuff. And in terms of just generally the production quality, the overall enjoyment of all the stuff that they work on, like I don't really have anything bad to say, any bad things really to say about Bones. Other than Studio E. You you guys are <sighs> hopefully they all grow up. I mean, like again, like who knows? Maybe they will end up producing good good stuff. But hey, Four out of the five studios producing good stuff. That that's a good track record. I'll take it. Hey, you made My Hero Academia. You made Mob Psycho. You made Boon Go Straight Dogs. Those three in of itself is resume that I would be like, yeah, solid. And currently holding the the best ranked anime on my anime list in Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Hey, like, hey, that's off to you guys. And most of your catalog, at least on my anime list, is not only ranked really high it's also massively popular as well not a lot of studios have that kind of encompassing all roundness so to speak and still churning out stuff non-stop right should we do our cleanup now then yep
You can always reach us through our email, gapallet at gmail.com. That's G-A-P-A-L-E-T-T-E at gmail.com, all lowercase, all one word. You can also contact us on Twitter using the handle at palletgood. That's capital P and capital G, all one word. You, we have a Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash palletgood, capital P, capital G, all one word. We also have a website. I encourage you to check it out, www.goodanimepalette.com, all lowercase, all one word. We have a Discord server. We also have a Mal Club. If you want invites, it's in the show description or just email us. Music credits for this episode. Our intro music is No Cry by Fashion. Our break music is Be Right There by Omie. And our outro music is Future Vise by Q. Our music was provided courtesy of EpidemicSound.com. If you are interested in using Epidemic Sound as a service, we will have a referral link that is provided for you in the show description. Man, I feel a lot better after we took that break. I think you just needed to talk about uh, Snow White. I think after that, you started perking up. So, look, like all five of mine, all five of Jason's, these are all worthy recommendations in terms of the, showing the progress of Bones, consistent throughout the 20 years it existed. I thoroughly endorse and love Bones Studio. You guys are doing great. And I have to say that our 10 recommendations have a huge variety of movies, TV shows, sci-fi, shonen. Reverse harem, yaoi shit. Love, shoujo, uh, bombastic, uh, slow, or dark grim. It's all all there because Studio Bones has it down, man. Yeah, pick your poison. Choose whatever you want out of that 10 or even just check out the other stuff. And you should also check out the good anime pal podcast and also all the other episodes going forward yeah we're gonna take and a backwards nice, yeah, please we're gonna take a nice little break check out the previous catalogs and we will catch you in our next recording see y'all very soon peace, peace.